And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Political theater. Political theater yesterday. Uh, what did you think, folks? What did you think of that debate? Of course, we covered the first hour of it, the uh, remaining 30 minutes. Uh, interesting. Interesting indeed. But uh, what did we learn? You know, it's it's uh, interesting. I watched the debate between Richard Nixon and JFK that was done in 1960. I believe it was September of 1960. And... Um, what a difference. What a difference in presentation, in the question, the moderation of the debate. What, what a difference in respect. It was something to see. If you get a chance, it's on YouTube. It's the uh, Richard Nixon versus uh, JFK presidential debate from 1960. Folks, uh, we're, broadcast- we're coming to you live from our studios in northwest Pennsylvania where we broadcast live weeknights 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. You know that. Our website's HagmanReport.com, HagmanandHagman.com. Uh, go ahead and like us on Facebook. That's the Hagman Report, and I've got a Facebook page myself. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Hagman Report for the um, for the business and uh, for, for the radio show that is. And Hagman at Hagman PI. That's my personal Twitter. I think I think we're going to get Lady the Studio Dog her own Facebook page. What do you think? Probably be good. Folks, we also simulcast the, well, Global Star Radio Network is our home base, and we simulcast on BTR and, of course, uh, live on video at uh, YouTube, our YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube feed, please, our YouTube channel. That helps us with visibility. And the more that subscribe, the funny thing is happening with YouTube. We posted this on HagmanReport.com. The YouTube Heroes program. Have you seen that? Rather interesting. You know, the, um, it's all about censorship ultimately. We're going to see more and more censorship come, come by, uh, different programmings. Michael Savage had, a, had an issue talking about Hillary Clinton's health. It's just a matter of time. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm, by the way. Joe is out. Uh, he'll be back uh, uh, later this week. Portions of the night's broadcast brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh. Folks, go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to HelloFresh. Have you seen HelloFresh? It's more than food. This is a great program. In fact, I, uh, my, my family, we at the Hagman household, use this. This program, HelloFresh. At HelloFresh, they want to change the way people eat forever, and they believe that people deserve honest, natural, delicious, healthy food, and they celebrate the fresh ingredients and and make magic in the kitchen. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient, and each week they create new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take Oh, about a half hour is all. 
for everyone from novices to seasoned home cook, uh, home cooks in, in, in any situation. HelloFresh uh, sources the freshest ingredients that you can find. The quantities are measured exactly. It's, it's a good, it's a really a great deal. That's HelloFresh. You, you visit their website, folks. Go to, in fact, if you're, if you're watching this via YouTube, you can see the delicious, uh, food items on the screen. Can't you? Oh, yes. Of course, HelloFresh. It's a website, HelloFresh.com. Our promo code is CFP Radio. That's CFP Radio. Promo code is CFP Radio. HelloFresh.com. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, we, we got a great, great show for you planned. Alan, Riggs is going to join us here in a couple of minutes. He's a, he's ahead of some uh, company called uh, Green Avat Green Evative. He's got something that I want to. Uh, I found this. Well, he actually brought this to my attention. JD did, and, and he did. Um, this is uh, an interesting device. I'm just gonna. We're just gonna spend a few minutes at the start of the show talking about this device. I'm pretty excited about it. I, I was just uh, blown away by the G Mag product here. I'm going to wait until he comes on to talk about this. I'm not going to give away anything. And, and uh, this morning I, I put up a column. In fact, it's it's right now. You can comment on it at CanadaFreePress.com. Nobody cares about the birther issue. Did, did you notice how, how much time it was spent last night during the debate about the birther issue? Just that, that, that segmented time. And oh my goodness, I was flipping through the channels through the morning hours and, uh, watching the different people talking about this and focusing on the birther issue. And it, my, my, my column today talks about that. And I, and I, and I assert that no one cares about the birther issue. And I'm going to just reference this article here a little bit. You can comment on this article at CanadaFreePress.com. Feel free to do that. You can also, uh, read it in its entirety at hagmanreport.com. But no one cares about the birther issue. That's what I've been, that's what everyone's telling me, including members of my own family. No one cares. You see, what I hear when people say that to me, what I hear is that no one cares about the Constitution, about our Constitution, or about the rule of law. And I think that that's where we're at today. And I would stipulate that even fewer understand what the birther issue is all about, because all the time I hear, oh, well, well, that's just, he was born in America, case closed, meaning Obama. Folks, eligibility requirements to hold the office of the President of the United States are defined by the Constitution. You know that. The natural-born citizen clause, that requirement, was written into the United States Constitution. Why? Well, it, it protects our nation from foreign influence. That's the whole aspect of that foreign influence. It was written to protect our nation from being hijacked from within. And what what's everyone complaining about here over the last eight years? Isn't this what the presidential election, the current presidential election, is all about? Moving from this globalist agenda? You know, the whole issue seems pretty important to me. Um, legal requirements, the, impo- the legal requirements seem pretty important to me. 
considering that today we found ourselves in an epic battle between national and global. Now, with global, I'll say foreign interests. And again, this is precisely, in my view, what the um, what this election is all about, what it represents. And this birther issue is not just about where Obama was born. Of course not, although that's what nearly everyone believes and thinks, and they they rattle this out with a... Uh, Without even thinking, it's all—it's almost like you know. Boy, it seems like there people are have been programmed. <laughs> you know, and I say again, it's much bigger than that. And and I and I wrote in here that um, it's not about where a person is born, although that's what everyone with an opinion and a microphone or a keyboard wants you to believe. It's much bigger. It's about adhering to the Constitution and about allegiance to our nation and its citizens. It's about making sure that the person holding the most powerful office in the land has our best interests at heart. I say that again, you know. And hardly anyone cares about this issue because they don't understand it. They they don't see the big picture. They've been deceived by the intellectually dishonest, I write, and also, or the intellectually deficient. That's my belief. The former... The intellectually dishonest consists of those who, whose agenda is global in nature. That's the agenda of the globalists is to fold America into a system of global governance to subjugate us. And the latter, of course, includes those who have fallen victim to the lies and deception who just parrot, parrot the sound bites. And both have reduced this critically important issue to absolutely incredibly ridiculous, misleading sound bites that are eagerly embraced by a tired public. And aren't we tired, folks? Hour two, we're going we're to be joined by Susan Daniels. She's a private investigator from Ohio. You're not going to want to miss hour two, and the reason I say that is because Susan Daniels, I, I, I was at an event where I spoke to her. Susan Daniels, um, she investigated Obama's identity, the Social Security issue. Remember that? She was the one. Susan Daniels was the one who blew open the the Social Security issue. She's got a special place in history. And she's so humble. <laughs> she's got a very special place in history. She really put a, a world of hurt on Obama and his cadre of leftists and uh, communists. And then, of course, hour three, we're going to be joined by Stan Dale. But right now, let's uh, let's bring on Alan Riggs. He he is the head of something, a company called Green Greenovative, and he's got a, a product that when, when I got it, I, I kind of laughed at. Or before I got it, I was laughing. I said, "Nah, you know, come on, this can't be." I mean, I, I remember science class, and I remember how things work uh, to some extent. But I thought, man, there is this. GMAG power cell that he has. It produces electricity by just adding salt water to the unit. unit. And again, I this is a, a battery recharger, um, rechargeable battery uh, device. And it works. And um, I said, you know, I we got to have this. We, we have to, we have to have this guy, this gentleman on. And um, because what he's got is a really great, great product. And we tried it. We tried it out. And, I mean, we put it through the paces. Paces. 
And wow, what a great product. Uh, Alan, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me on. Hey, well, well thanks for joining me. I, I, I really wanted to get you on just for a few minutes just to really tell people, well, Tell people about yourself, about your company, and about the product. Let's just let's just hit right, hit this pretty hard. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, I uh, I'm retired from the Navy. I uh, did a number of uh, corporate jobs after I retired, and then and uh, had an opportunity one day to start my own company. So I did, and I did some more program management, etc. And I started building things in my shop. The first thing I tried was a nuclear, biological, and chemical safe room back when there were those kinds of things. But I couldn't keep the fan running long enough. I needed a different power source. So I found a company that had a magnesium air fuel cell, and it's uh, just being developed. And they were in Canada. And I went up and looked at it. And I came home and mortgaged my house and bought the rights to it. And then we... uh, looked at it and changed the cathode formulation and another company was making the cathode and they had a downturn in business and I bought the rights to that and all of the equipment that makes it and now it's mine. Uh, One of the things that I spun off that was a a unit that charged batteries. We thought, hey, you know, this thing works well, but let's see if we can make it smaller and kind of put it we first we're going to call it a belt loop battery charger and we worked took this a couple of years to uh, make this magnesium air fuel cell actually charge batteries and the way it works is a special formulation it's a magnesium alloy and our proprietary cathode works together to make uh, magnesium hydroxide when you put salt and water in it it actually takes the OH out of the water makes magnesium magnesium hydroxide which is milk of magnesium and in the process there's a ton of free electrons released and our cathode material slips that up puts it on the bus bars and we have a really good battery charger uh, the one yeah I, I was have. amazed I mean I, I was blown away by, by this uh, by the product that you have I mean and, and the folks the reason we're doing this right now is because I, I think Mr. Riggs is, I think this product is essential for your preps. Um, you know, this is, I don't know why I'm so amazed by this, except that it works. It charges batteries. It charges, I mean, you know, it's, it's an amazing device, but oh, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. Like, like you really don't need me to say, yeah, it works. I appreciate the comments. Um, I, I started out with a unit that had a uh, made an anode on the inside and it would charge about 100 batteries and I took it to gun shows and prepper shows and people said hey we need more so I made one to charge about 200 batteries and folks said well yeah that's nice but you know 200 batteries and I what throw it away so we worked on it another year or so and we were able to replace the anodes and that's the one that you have the picture of those uh, power pucks in the back each yep. contain a magnesium anode, and you put in a pair of those, and they'll charge about 130 batteries. And then you, when you can see black plastic where the magnesium used to be, you either recycle them or discard them, put in another pair, and it's another 130 batteries. And the charger itself will uh, charge an unlimited number of batteries by just replacing the power pumps. 
So this can go on the shelf and it lasts indefinitely and you can use it and clean it up and put it back on the shelf and it lasts indefinitely. You know, uh, replacing the units. It, 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 it's an amazing, and so you've got, yeah, I mean, this is an amazing product. Um, it doesn't need sun, doesn't need, uh, wind, obviously. And. No, it doesn't. Uh, wow. You don't need a hand crank? It, huh. it makes power is- anytime and anywhere in any weather, day or night. Uh, you know, this is kind of one of those things that I wish I would have thought of this or got, you know, got a piece of the, the, the action here because, uh, it's, it's, and folks, what we're talking about is a super GMAG battery recharger with replaceable magnesium power pucks. That's the product. And, uh, it's going to charge six, um, what is it, thousand milliamp hour AA or AAA rechargeable batteries in about three hours? Yes, sir. About three hours. Yeah, it's, and, and I'm pretty sure the set of batteries I had, uh, I found uh, rechargeable batteries that were, I don't know, pretty old. I mean, Steve Coyle gave them to me like 10 years ago, and uh, I charged them right up. It, it was just a couple of hours, and, and they're still working right now. So uh-huh. it's an amazing device. Well, we started putting together uh, accessory packages. Uh, I used to go to prepper shows, and people would say, well, what else can it do? And I started thinking about what folks may need when when the lights go out or the disaster happens or they're going to grab their bug out bag and go someplace. So we put a uh, a USB block in there, five volt USB block, so you can charge things like a smartphone. And it comes with adapters. It does iPhones. It does uh, droids and range finders and night vision goggles and Kindles. A whole bunch of things that will charge that have USB connectors. And yeah, it, people like it, and it's so you've got. And I want to thank you for including that the cord in there. I mean, it's it's really fantastic, um, and it comes with a cord, right? The to charge yeah, the cell phones yeah. and smart. Yep. Okay. I didn't know if I, you were giving me extra special treatment there or whatever, but no. And I can see it right there, folks. You can take a look if you're watching this on YouTube. Take a look. Uh, the green, green innovative, uh, screen up there, power where there is no power. And of course, you can see the products, or you can see the product with the, uh, with the, uh, items that, that, uh, come with the, in, in the box. Um, it, it, you know, you know, Alan, I mean, people need to understand that time is short. And uh-huh. we're, we're, we're looking for solutions. This is all about, Giving uh, people a solution when there's when there's no power, you know. I mean, that's what it's about. And the, if you have access to table salt, two teaspoons in a little water, uh, you can charge up your electronics. Well, I would like to say the following delicately: um, if you don't have salt and you're out and you're, you're hurt and you have to get the word out, you can go behind the bushes and fill it up, and it will make power just fine. So if you're alive, you have power. You know, I, I read that, and I, I really I considered trying that. As as gross as I might sound, I, I was thinking, you know, I I wonder if this is true. That's the only thing I haven't tried on this product is peeing in the jar. You know, you you will be pleasantly surprised. Well, it, it works with the salt water. So, so okay. 
conditions. I, I mean, and, and the the footprint of this product is extremely small. So you've got uh, it's not going to take that much up in your bug out bag. Um, no, and it's only eight ounces as well. It's very lightweight. All right. And what are we looking at? In, fine. Go ahead. Um, yeah, what are we looking at in terms of cost to our listeners here? Um, I have a, a, a special price tonight for your listeners. But this, um, what's on the page right now is my uh, Super G Mag with the Super Works and... 2,000 milliamp hour AA batteries. And just to be, not everybody understands what milliamp hours mean, so I'm going to just give you a, okay. a graphic example of that. They're made, it's a measure of current, of, of power in, in the, uh, in the battery. So let's say okay. a 1,000 milliamp hour battery would be, say, let's call it a pint of power. So a 2,000 milliamp hour battery would be a quart of power, twice as much. And all of the all of the measurements that we've done in the lab and all the things that we stand by are based on the one thousand milliamp hour batteries. So if I tell you it, it takes three hours to to charge a one thousand milliamp hour battery, if you look on your battery and it's fifteen hundred milliamp hours, then it'll take one point five times longer than that to charge the battery. So okay. it, it's pretty easy to figure that out. And the the this normally sells for one hundred and twenty-five dollars on online plus shipping, and I have a fifteen uh, percent off plus free shipping for your listeners. And if they just put in the uh, the discount code uh, lowercase Hagman, uh, they will get the uh, get the discount and free shipping. All right. And it also give out the website. With, uh, Again. Alan, give out give out the website. Go ahead, go ahead. It's greenovative dot com. G r e e n i v a t i v e dot com. Just go to the store, and when it asks you for the discount code, put it in. The That's a good deal. Comes with, go ahead. Also comes with four AAA batteries and two sets of power pucks. So you're good to go for a long time. And if you take it home and put it on the shelf and don't use it, and you don't have to use it, you can give it to your great-great-grandchildren. That, that was the other issue I was thinking about. Does it have – there's there's no expiration on the on the power pucks, the magnesium power pucks, right? Uh, they last. I mean, it's, it's going to outlast your 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 lifetime and the, that of your children perhaps, right? On the shelf, yes. Yeah. Um Yep. In use at about 130 batteries, and you swap it out for the next set of power pumps. But when you're done, when you say you charge six batteries, you pour out what's in there, and it's milk of magnesia. I mean, it's environmentally benign. You rent, pour it out, rinse it out, take out the pucks and rinse them off, put the whole, let it dry out, put the whole thing on the shelf again, and it stops right there. It doesn't deteriorate at all after it's dry and back on the shelf. It's fantastic. It really is. It, it, folks, this is a great product. Uh, go to greenevative.com or, or just go to hagmanreport.com and click on the, the link there. It, it, you'll see it, Green Evative. It'll take you directly to 
the website there. And, and Greenovative, it, it's a small company in Florida, folks. It, they created the, this gentleman on the phone created this device. It's the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water. It, just simply all you have to do is add salt water to what you get. And, uh, it, it, it's, you don't need sun. You don't need wind. You, you don't need a hand crank, which frankly is just really tiring. All you need is a little ordinary table salt, a little water, shake for a few seconds, bang, the unit instantly makes electricity. It uses magnesium as the power source. Just adding the salt water makes power instantly available. It's affordable. It's lightweight. Eight ounces, as you said, durable. EMP-proof. That's the other thing, too. Uh, EMP-proof, huh? It is. There is no uh, no active electronics in there, no, no combinational logic. It, the, the fuel cell sees the load, charges the load, and when it's done, you pull out the batteries and you're good to go. Wow. All right. And if you're out of water, you can pee in a jar. <laughs> you know, it's uh, and no, no moving parts, uh, actually. This is a great idea. I mean, this is fabulous. And, see, again, we bring solutions. The purpose of this right now is just to bring our audience solutions as the hour is short or the hour is late and time is short. This is a great, great uh, device. We found it, and, and we we talk about only the best on this program, and by far, Alan, I think you, this is the best. I really, now you won't say that. Maybe you will. I had to kind of, you know, wrestle them to, to get them to, to say this is the greatest. You know? and I really think it is, but, um, man, th- this is fabulous. So, okay, all right. And if people have questions, they can contact you via the website, right? Your website? Yeah, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. All right, perfect. Well, brother, I, I really appreciate you allowing us to feature this product on our broadcast. Any closing remarks in the in the next thirty seconds or so? Uh, it was my pleasure. Uh, it's been a it's been a joy putting this product together. It was exciting every day that we worked on it. Our patent was approved about two months ago. Uh, it helps people. If you need power, power, or you need your walkie-talkies to work, that sort of thing. It doesn't weigh much. Makes power anytime, anywhere, in any weather. Need power, just add water. Fantastic. My friend, thank you so very much for coming on. We're going to be talking about this product throughout the broadcast and in days ahead. God bless you, Alan. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. And you too as well. Thank you. All right. Folks, that was Alan Riggs, the, the man behind the GMAG battery recharger. I, again, I asked him to come on. I said, man, we, you know, we found a solution to your charging battery needs, ladies and gentlemen. I, and I, we can't keep this to ourselves. All right. Now, on the other side of the break, we've got, we're going to be talking about some other issues, especially the community organizing that is behind the riots, the FBI files on Clinton. Okay, thank you. I, I was getting to, yeah, we're going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. Websites, HagmanReport.com, HagmanAndHagman.com. Those are our websites. Social networking, of course, at Hagman Report, and also at Hagman PI. That's, that's for Twitter. The latter, of course, is my personal Twitter. And Facebook as well. Like us on Facebook. Uh, mine is Doug Hagman, and Hagman Report is our show, Facebook. Um, 
Did you, folks, did you see that photograph, that, that photograph of Hillary, Diane Rodham Clinton at the debate where she's bent over? And, and she, there's something that, the, there's something that appears to be underneath her coat. Did you see that? I, I mean, it almost looks like one of those power chargers from a uh, laptop. You know, with a transformer box, the, the, uh, tr- the rectangular box and a cord that goes up, up the back. I mean, there's obviously something there. If this was not photoshopped, I, I don't know it, its origins. And, and I have to believe I, I looked at the, uh, I, l- I looked at the, uh, footage and I have to believe that this was not photoshopped. I, I have to believe that there was something there. You could see it, uh, pretty well. I, there's something not right with this and this brazen, brazenness by the media and, you know, hey, it's, uh, everything's just fine. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Except to say that there's something not right with this. And, and it's, it's our duty, it's our obligation to, to question all of this. And I don't care if Trump had this. If, if it was Trump that had this and it was visible, I would ask the same questions. I would ask the same questions of any candidate. Because I want to know the truth. Um, and it's an important issue. It's a big issue, I believe. I want to follow up on something I said earlier. I had mentioned that Michael Savage, when he was talking about the Hillary Clinton's health, he was unceremoniously cut off the air. Did you hear about that? Did you? Did you? Were you listening? Perhaps at the time. What's What's going on here? Well, I I, I submit to, to each and every one of you that we're seeing the end game here at least in this quarter. If this was a football game, it would be one of the, uh, you know, quarters in the second half, I believe, the third or fourth quarter. What we're seeing, I believe, is this this run for the end zone or a Hail Mary pass, whatever analogy you want to use, by the globalists because um, they know that they are on the ropes. And and, uh, regardless of of who you thought won the debate, it doesn't matter. Because what I found is the, is the, uh, the globalists are going to push their own. I mean, Trump could have been the clear winner of the debate. In fact, Hillary could have fell down and, and, you know, passed out five minutes into the debate. And I believe that the media would have said she still won. Uh, it, it, the lies have become brazen. The lawlessness has become in the open. And of course, that's what we're faced with. But, uh, you know, part of that, those lies and part of that lawlessness involves controlling the operational narrative. For as much as I really don't care for that word, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. Controlling what people see, what people talk about, what people are exposed to, what people can talk about. And this is, this is what, uh, this is the issue with Michael Savage. He was, uh, taken off the air. And he, off of numerous stations. Now some may look at this as a marketing, um, a result of marketing or a result of a network change. The timing, however, certainly smacks of something else going on, as well as his numbers. You see, I mean, to, to be replaced on, on a nationally syndicated uh, network, to be replaced by programming that does not come close, would, should raise questions. 
so we're seeing the we're seeing this uh, the, the process of censorship take place in real time, and and I'm wondering how many of us really thought that we would we'd see this happen this soon. And you know, I'm looking at this and and I'm thinking, man, you know, others as well are having problems that that I know and you know. We struggle at times with certain venues. Global Star is powerful. You can, I mean, they're they're gold. It's great. YouTube, on the other hand, you've got the Heroes program, and and if you don't know what that is, you can look it up on on the on YouTube. And, and they say, well, you know, it's it's kind of a they're beta testing this, and it's really not. It's uh, it's not really meant for censorship. But what what is taking place is you're getting people, and. Folks, don't spare your emails because I, I do understand how this works. Um, this is to flag inappropriate content in addition to other things to to, to uh, put captioning and to put uh, uh, boxes in in the in the uh, uh, videos. But the the points that that a hero uh, participant in this in this program would receive. Largely comes from the, uh, and the, the points, by the way, dictate your, the, the individual's level on the heroes program. The, the, of course, the more points you have, the more perks you are supposed to get, and that's how it works. But uh, by by flagging inappropriate videos, whether it's, and they'll come out and say, well, anything involving, uh, uh, you know, pornography or um, animal abuse, the, the, those are two big things that they're talking about. They're talking about. They're um, they're saying that this is what it's for the, the inappropriate content. But what we've found is you've got individuals who are signing up for this program who who want to harass others. Now this is denied. This is denied by YouTube by the by the spokespeople and even some independent spokespeople for this program. However, we found that yes, people if if you have a if someone has a problem with your content, let's say you've got this really anti, oh, anti-Hagman report, for example. Somebody really doesn't like us. And just insert your name where Hagman report is. You can get harassed in ways that you've never been harassed before through this program. What they'll do is they'll say that the, the content for example, if you talk about homosexuality and you say homosexuality is a sin, if that's what you're saying, and homosexual marriage is not the law of the land because it's not constitutional and it's against God's law, therefore it's not the law of the land, The they will flag that. It, they could, I'll just say it that way, could flag that. So somebody watching your channel could flag that as inappropriate. And automatically that shuts you down or that that shuts that video down it takes away any monetization what is left of it after they've got done gutting the whole program and um, prevents you from I mean mean, prevents you from getting the message out so this is censorship by legalese or by legal means it's lawfare to some degree now I'm not complaining because uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't want this to appear as a complaint, but I want people to understand the tools that are being made available to others of like minds in order to shut down the truth. This is a big tool. So they'll flag your 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 video for inappropriate content, 
And uh, the only recourse you have is to say, wait a minute, this is not right. The flagging is not right. So then you appeal that to the YouTube people, and then there's a human being that has got to be on the other side to take a look at the content and decide whether that video or that audio with video uh, with image overlays or uh, with video to decide if that does represent a uh, a violation of, of the terms and conditions of the YouTube contract. It's kind of a creative a dig at the, the creative uh, uh, aspects of the creators, the YouTube creators. Well, that process sometimes takes a while. And the more, the more times that you, your videos get flagged, of course, you, you, it's kind of like having a rap sheet. Except the charges are, are, you know, arbitrary. So the more times you, you, this happens, of course, you know, the more times the, 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 uh, greater the chance that you're not going to have a, a channel to broadcast from. So we are looking at other alternatives, other alternative video channels. Eric the Tech is hard at work on that because, folks, it's inevitable that the normal channels are going to be shut down because of content. If, if Hofstra University puts, if, if they see fit to put up a trigger warning sign warning people about the debate if you saw that we talked about that yesterday and furnish counselors in the event that oh your sensibilities are are overrun because someone mentions homosexuality or sexual abuse or just whatever the content might be and I've seen bloggers do this as well especially against Christians say wait a minute you, you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't be talking like that you know it's offensive wow well it's just a matter of time is what I'm getting at so you look at this look at the big picture here the violations that you could run up on on YouTube and this is going to extend to other venues as well it's only a matter of time what do we expect when we Welcome the harbinger of bail in New York City. Of course, the harbinger of bail is now firmly rooted in New York City. Remember, we had Jonathan Kahn on a little while ago, uh, a few episodes ago, to talk about the mystery of the, the Shemitah and, of course, the uh, the harbinger and, of course, the Shemitah imperative. Well, the harbinger, in, in his case, that he talked about is the one that appears in New York City, and it's the uh, harbinger of bail. Now, he he wrote that uh, in the last days of of Israel, warnings, prophetic signs, and harbingers appeared in the land, foreshadowing the judgment that was to come. The nation ignored these harbingers and headed to destruction. Of course, in his discussion. The harbinger is a mystery revealed to those um, the same harbingers and warnings of national judgment. They've now appeared on American soil, but in the ancient case, in Israel's case, Israel ignored the warnings and plunged even deeper into apostasy, into immorality, folks. Ungodliness brazen defiance of God. We see this happening in America today, and America is following right in the, following the same template 
of judgment, the same course and the same progression. And and if you get a chance to listen, folks, go back and to listen uh, to Jonathan Kahn. Um, Baal is was Israel's anti-God. They're a substitute for God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the God of their apostasy and the God of their destruction. Baal was the devil god. It was their devil god. And it's their. It's our devil god in America. In fact, the name for Satan, Beelzebub, and Beelzebub, uh, Beelzebub and Beelzebul. I always have a hard time saying that latter one. Is derived from Baal, meaning Baal of the flies and Baal of the dung. That's right. Well. What, what, how does this affect us? What about America? Jonathan Kahn talks about, uh, he says, if America is following in the footsteps of ancient Israel, away from God and to judgment, which I think is happening, and I think we can all agree this is taking place, could there be a link to Baal? Well, of course, no one in America would admit to worshiping Baal. No one really admits to that. But the truth is American culture is filled with other gods, small g and idols, of course. When a civilization turns away from God, as we have in mass in this country, and mass in this country, it always ends up bringing in other gods in his place. You can't have a spiritual vacuum. And, you know, you'll notice, too, many people will say, uh, if especially on the on the left, the progressive democratic national socialists will say that, oh, that, you know, I'm an atheist. Well, more times than not, there there is no spiritual vacuum there. Those people are worshiping either Satan or worshiping other small G gods. Now, America, of course, we've talked about this before. Jonathan Kahn was on talking about this, and I, I spent, having spent some time with uh, Jonathan Kahn, I, I've, I've grown to admire him, of course, and, and uh, to really gain insight into his books and, and, and into his message. And it's interesting because he... Uh, He's fighting off criticism where, wait, well, hey, nothing happened. You know, the blood moves, everything, oh, nothing happened. Well, yeah, it did. We're living it right now. We've, America, our leadership has driven God out of our lives, culturally and spiritually. We've waged war against the God of the Bible. Now, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a minister. All I, I'm just an investigator, but I can see what's taking place here. And I can see the havoc being caused in our civilization. You know, I don't think I'd want to be a preacher or a minister. I, I just don't. Um, especially of like a congregation. I don't think I can handle that. Seeing how Christians interact with other Christians. Some Christians, not, not everyone. It, it would just drive me crazy because I, it, it, this is, it's, it's an amazingly, I mean, it's, it, it just, it's ridiculous. The uh, accusations and the, and the, oh my goodness, the us versus them mentality within the body of the church. I mean, I I don't know what to say. And we see that too in, in a smaller scale with our, sometimes with with our, uh, with the guests that come on and some people, well, I don't like him because I don't think he preaches. I don't think he stands for what, you know, Christianity really is. Oh, I get emails. You should see the emails I get. And Steve and I will talk too about the the various emails that that we get and the complaints that we see and uh, the writings of certain bloggers out there. It's it's uh, we just scratch our heads wondering what you know why. And in the end, it's either a a, a human 
attribute we believe that causes this. It's that that envious attribute. I don't know what they'd be envious about, or or it's downright uh, demonic, if you will. But in, in, in getting back to the culture here in America, we've ripped God out of schools, you know that, and out of our lives, out of our daily lives. We've, we're sacrificing millions upon millions of unborn children. Uh, we're calling evil good and good evil. We're celebrating sexual immorality. We're celebrating, uh, we're persecuting the righteous. And, and we're, we're seeing censorship just go across the land. We're seeing all sorts of lawlessness take root in this country. And that, I believe, and as Jonathan Kahn had stated, arises from this Baal worship, arises from this spiritual bankruptcy, arises from this, 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 uh, worshiping of gods, the small g. Monday afternoon, this past Monday afternoon, September 19th, in the city of the Harbingers of Judgment, New York City. Well, it, the um, one of the centers of Baal worship was erected. Of course, we talked about this last week. The city contained no one but uh, uh, not one but two prominent temples to Baal. The Romans erected an arch there that led to the top temple of Baal. So the worshippers of Baal would walk through this arch and approach the temple in which they would venerate their god, small g. The arch that, this arch that led to the temple of Baal was reproduced down to the smallest, tiniest detail and erected in New York City. This is what we have. Now, whose idea was this? Well, if you look close, you'll see that this is connected to the United Nations. And of course, what are the, you know, what's up with the United Nations? That's that globalist push. And that's what's behind that. So, are we to, what are we to expect when we are in that worshiping Baal mentality? And we're, we're seeing this happen. It's, it's all about worshiping Baal. It's about worshiping the small gods. And, and again, I, I want to remind people, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I'm just an ordinary guy who sees the problems and can trace the problems back to, uh, spiritual issues as opposed to political or even just any other issue. I want to touch on this, the, uh, what has been pushed by the wayside in addition to, uh, well, what's been pushed by the wayside by the debates and by the political theater we're seeing is the, uh, Clinton FBI files with respect to the ER emails. You know, I found it very interesting that it was a, 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 only at the periphery this was brought up yesterday. I mean, just the smallest sentence. <clears throat> but folks, there was a 189-page summary that was uh, released on Friday, the Friday document dump. The report was uh, uh, was the uh, was about the Clinton's private server and the emails. And, and I want to bring this back to the forefront here because what we're seeing is this censorship of the truth by way of dumping this on a Friday and then tossing a bunch of other uh, red herrings on top of this. But this report, which was made public last last week, came on the heels of the House Republicans' revelation that three additional witnesses had received immunity. So up to five people, five, who received immunity in the FBI investigation. Now, why is that important? Five people. If you've ever been involved in the in the criminal justice system and in the criminal trial, you don't get immunity 
folks, or you don't dish out. If you're a law enforcement agency or the district attorney or the attorney general, you don't give immunity to people who have done nothing wrong. You may, on occasion, give immunity to, to individuals who might, by virtue of, uh, well, might perhaps admit to something of an illegality, but you give immunity to people who have knowingly done something wrong in exchange for information to prosecute another. It's not, hey, you know what, you did something wrong, so we're just going to call it even. No, you've got to give something in exchange for that. And that is what ex- exactly what did not happen with immunity. Paul Cometa, the uh, the server at Pot River Networks, allegedly uh, took the Fifth Amendment. And uh, now this is my own personal opinion. And so, you know, I, I, I'm dodging a potential... Um, I, I want to insulate myself from any type of uh, lawsuit here. It's interesting because he pled the Fifth during... Uh, recent hearings, despite his immunity. So the question I have is, what kind of immunity did he have? Did he have blanket immunity? If so, why would he be pleading the fifth? Or did he have limited use immunity? And that's just to cover a small uh, uh, pie-shaped period of time and and period of offenses. Well, when you get up to five people in a case that have been granted immunity, it, to me it almost doesn't matter. It's almost kind of like an after effect. It doesn't matter. Uh, what difference does it make, Hillary Clinton, you know? Because when you've got five, you've got lawlessness and criminality and a criminal criminal conduct all over the place. I talked yesterday about the FOIA process being messed with, and, uh, well, yeah, that's true. But Clinton deleted nearly a 1,000 emails with Petraeus in August of 2015, the, the Pentagon called the State Department and informed them that CENTCOM records showed approximately a thousand emails, work-related emails now between Clinton on Clinton's personal server and General David Petraeus. The FBI noted that most of the thousand emails were not believed to be included in the thirty thousand emails that Clinton turned over to the State Department in December. 2014. So this is in addition to the 30,000. This is another 1,000. The crime is bigger than we've all been led to believe. And, and we, I, I suppose when you look at it, um, you can see. You can see the enormity of this. Um, yesterday, a name came up during the debate, Sidney Blumenthal. Clinton has often defended her relationship with Blumenthal. She's this guy has insinuated himself into into the the political process. He's written these detailed manifestos, missives about national security and other issues. Well, in fact, some of those have been classified, just been recently classified, partially classified as unsolicited memos from an old friend. But nonetheless, it's clearly been classified. Um. Jake Sullivan, Clinton's former de- deputy chief of staff, told the FBI that that he spoke to uh, Blumenthal directly during his tenure. And Sullivan said that he spoke to uh, by phone with Blumenthal and emailed him occasionally, even acting as a go-between between Blumenthal and Clinton on and other high-level officials. So Blumenthal, contrary to the statements made under oath and in public by Hillary Clinton, 
was a big part of this, despite what Hillary Clinton said. And state, the State Department officials definitely, by the way, knew about the private server. And again, you might say, what difference does this make? The investigation is over. Comey walked away. No, it's not. It's not over. Trust me, it's not over. But you've got numerous high-level State Department officials. You've got the president. You got you got uh, well, you got Obama. Uh, more accurately, you've got uh, the gang of eight in Washington inside the Beltway. They all knew about Clinton's private server. Contrary to what they've said, they all knew about it. Three people had email addresses on the Clinton.com email network. Besides Clinton, the only other person to have, uh, uh, only other individual known to have used an email address on ClintonEmail.com was Huma Abedin. But we found additional people, including Cheryl Mills, um, despite her swearing, or despite her, uh, uh, despite Clinton swearing under oath that uh, Cheryl Mills did not have an email address at that server. I spoke with John Robertson earlier today, and I'm, I want to just mention this before the top of the hour here. And a couple of Hollywood tricks used during the debate yesterday. Did you notice how the picture, the debate picture, when when it was on Trump, he kind of got a little fuzzy at times. Yeah, you don't you don't operate network camera equipment if it's not like uh, here or it's not like you know Bush League. That was deliberate, as well as the lighting on Hillary Clinton was deliberately uh, enhanced. It affected pupil size and it affected her appearance. The lighting in the uh, uh, Hollywood lighting, Hollywood trick effects as well. Just just another another task, another issue, another Hollywood gaming effect. You may not, you might not see it. You might say, hey, this, it's no really big deal. But yeah, I think it is. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. We're going to be right back with Susan Daniels coming right up. Just who is sitting currently, even at this double-digit lead-in to the last day? Who's sitting in the Oval Office right now? Do we know? And you may think, well, at this point, it doesn't matter. That seems to be the stock answer to everything, right? It doesn't matter anymore. Oh, we're well beyond that. Uh, those aren't the talking points. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. We create our own talking points right here on the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com is our news website. HagmanandHagman.com is our show website. Um, yeah, it does matter, and it still matters because the cabal of criminals and criminality continues to exist inside the Beltway. You've got Clinton, who is really in outgrowth. Well, she preceded, and Bill preceded the Obama criminal cabal, but Obama is definitely a foot soldier within that organized crime family. And Susan Daniels, you might remember this. Oh, remember that uh, back in 2009 when it was discovered that Obama, and I'm talking about Barack Hussein Obama, had been using a social security number with a pre- prefix indicating that it was actually a, from the state of Connecticut. You remember that? She, This woman on the phone right now that we're interviewing, Susan Daniels, 
she was the one, and her investigation was the one that broke this information. After watching the debate last night, I was, I, I, I got to thinking of it when, I, when I was when I met Susan Daniels, and I got to think, and we we talked too for for a while, and she was telling me about all of the investigations that she had done into Obama, and I got to thinking about this, the Clinton uh, factor. And, and how Hillary and Bill Clinton really were a big part of this and are a big part of this. And I was thinking about how this all began back in 08 and 09 about the identity issue. And now the birther issue came up, of course, in the debates and it was totally misrepresented in the debates. But folks, Americans, at least perhaps a minority of Americans, but a, a large minority, they perhaps they're getting ready to vote for Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Why? Well, she's the first woman to run for and secure the major party's nomination for the, the presidency. Oh, history is being made. And, of course, Obama said, you know, I would consider it a personal insult if he didn't vote for Hillary. And, and, you know, it's almost like the fix is in. But the extension of this is, of course, uh, the extension of the criminality of Obama and of Clinton it's kind of an incestuous relationship between Clinton and Obama. It's, uh, but you have to go back to the source. Like, for example, like a serial killer. When, when you investigate a serial killer, what do you look at once the serial killer killing spree has been identified? You look at the first kill to understand everything that happened subsequent to that first kill. That kind of sets the tone, tenor, and stage for your investigation. So you go back to... In this case, you go back to that time period, 08, 09, with respect to Obama's registration, uh, selective service registration, for example, and, and social security number. And again, Susan Daniels is the individual who uncovered this and brought it to the media. And you're going to see all kinds of people just say, oh, no, I did this and I did, no, 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 I can, I can tell you right now, contemporaneous to the, uh, to the investigation her investigation following her and seeing how this unfolded she was the one that that uh, uh, really brought this forth in fact she was the one that took the fire incoming missiles in numerous ways she suffered the brunt of the harassment the threats oh my goodness you should just wait but i mean she was the one so we bring on the the most in my view anyway the 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 most uh, educated and the most experienced individual about the issues and susan daniels is that person before we get to susan i want to mention of course i, I spoke earlier about hello fresh you know hello fresh is a meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun easy and convenient let me ask you something do you have time to cook meals or to go shopping and then cook meals you're busy i we, we understand that well HelloFresh is the answer to, to our, it's our answer at, at our household because we are on the go all of the time. HelloFresh is a, again, it's a meal delivery kit that, that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each week what they do is they create this new delicious recipe, the set of recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take, yeah, it takes about a half hour to cook, to prepare. Uh, and that, that includes whether you're a novice or you're, you're an experienced chef. It only takes about 30 minutes. Hello Fresh, they source the grass, the, the freshest, uh, ingredients. They measure, they measure everything out. I mean, right to the, right to the morsel, you know. And they give it to you in packages, small packages. They employ full-time registered dietitians on staff. 
they review each recipe to make sure it's diet it's, it's a dietary uh, uh, nutritionally uh, balanced and they send it out to you so you and I can can have the benefit of just a, a wholesome nutritionally balanced great delicious meal during the week it takes about 30 30 minutes to prepare without even having to go to the grocery store that's hello fresh if you go to hagmanreport.com or hagmanhagman.com, click on the link to HelloFresh. And folks, we got a deal for you. They, they set up a deal for the Hagman and Hagman listeners, the, the fine folks at HelloFresh. They've set up this deal for us right now. If you act right now, or yeah, you've got to act right now. $35 off your first week of deliveries. If you visit HelloFresh.com and you enter our coupon code, that's CFP Radio. So get $35 off your first week of deliveries. Visit HelloFresh.com and enter CFP Radio. That's HelloFresh.com and enter CFP Radio. I've got to tell you, my wife loves this. My our studio dog loves this lady. Uh, she, When she sees this refrigerated box on our porch, it's it's a self-insulated refrigerated kind of box. She loves it because she, I, I, I believe this, she can either smell what's in the box or senses that, hey, we're going to be eating good this week. I get the leftovers. It's funny to watch her. HelloFresh.com. The coupon code is CFP Radio. And, folks, change the way you eat. You're gonna, In fact, HelloFresh is changing the way people eat, are eating forever, and, and everyone deserves honest, natural, delicious, healthy food. You can get it through HelloFresh.com and $35 off with CFP Radio coupon code. Let's go. Let's. Uh, I think I gave Susan Daniels a proper introduction. Let's let's bring her on and let's talk to Susan Daniels, PI, out of Ohio, Chardon, Ohio. Susan, thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, hi, Doug. Thank you so much for inviting me on, and thank you for the the, the huge buildup. I mean, I I'm so I'm so honored that you would say well, something it, so it, nice. It's true, though. See, it, it's true, and and. Uh, uh, I remember back in 08 and 09 when this whole thing broke about her so, about his social security number. You were the you were the person you were in the investigator behind it, and I was really proud because ge- geographically we're only what uh, uh, an hour away from one another. Right? Oh yeah, maybe an hour and a half, yeah. not too far. And I was thinking, my goodness, this is great. Someone from our own neck of the woods uh, breaking this story of, of national significance, and of course taking a lot of heat for it, but. Uh, uh, and again, Susan Daniels. And folks, let me tell you something. Susan Daniels is a hardworking private investigator. She's open for business in Chardon, Ohio. She's Correct. got no website. You, you've got no website. You've got none. You just have no digital footprint. <laughs> no, I got because a phone number. That's it. That's it. And, and, and so, if you want, uh, if you're looking for a hardworking investigator, Susan Daniels is the one. She doesn't mess around with social networking or or uh, or websites or whatever. It's all hardworking. But but Susan. Just explain to our listeners what you did back in 08 that really changed the course of your life and others, um, and really kind of kind of stoked up Obama. And well, what what bothered me was the minute that Obama took office, right away we need this enormous stimulus plan, and I, and something about that rubbed me the wrong way. And they, they get all this money, and then immediately they need another plan with all this money. And, and it turns out that some of that money's never even been spent yet. And, and it made me start thinking about it, and I started talking to a couple of my friends about it, and they said, 
why don't you see what you can find on him? Now, I've been an investigator since the early 90s, and, you know, I know how to, I know how to do these things, but I, I, my response was, what am I going to find on him? He's already sworn into office. There, there will be nothing available on him. And what I did is I, I went to all these trusty databases that I can, you know, access because I am licensed. I've been licensed in Ohio for 23 years now and started, just started running his name. And all of a sudden, up pops this Connecticut Social Security number. Now, I've, I've done Social Security numbers long enough. I've done thousands of them. And I instantly knew that it was fraudulent because I knew that, I, I know the way the numbers break down, or they used to. And they've since changed it now that they assign them randomly. Ever, ever since I started kicking up the dust. But at that time, they were still issued, and they, the numbers started with zeros on the East Coast. And by the time you got to Hawaii, the numbers started with 575 or 576, which his step, uh, half-sister has one of those numbers. Well, when I saw his start with 042, I immediately knew something was wrong. And I also knew that I better start looking pretty quickly because if the minute I said anything, everything would shut down. So I started running everything I could think of. If I found addresses for him, I ran them. If I found phone numbers for him, I ran them. Um, I, other people started to uh, make me aware of things like the selective service number. And that's going to turn out, you know, Eventually, it's all it's all going to come to fruition that I was right, and the the mistake they made, the big mistake they made, is that they used the Connecticut Social Security number on his alleged application for Selective Service, which was supposed to have been done in 1980, and in fact was done in 2008. But it was supposed to have done in 1980, and it ends with the last four numbers of the Connecticut number. So every wow. uh, the, the more I dug, the more I found. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, uh, somebody I knew in Florida sent me an affidavit he had done where he found uh, the Obama's uh, IRS filing for the year, two, excuse me, 2009, and there the number was. They had not flattened it. It was the, it's the same case what they did with the birth certificate. They didn't do it the right way, and people were able to take it apart in layers. And there, there we have the Connecticut number. Oh you know? man! All I right. mean, it just it, it kept piling on itself so quickly, and I just the more I found. The, the faster I worked, because I, I was afraid that I would get shut out and miss something. And then the, when I started talking about it and started telling it, you know, people about it, you know, most people paid no attention to me at all. But then there were the, 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 the true believers who also started sending me information that they had found. And uh, that's how I started to compile all the information that I used for that lawsuit that I filed. Yes, and folks, I mean, Susan Daniels was the uh, 
the author, the originator of a lawsuit in this issue. Now, I just want to just kind of catch people up here. The Social Security number that Obama has been using was issued in late March 1977, if my facts are right here. Right. As were, as were other numbers in close chronological proximity uh, to that. Hundreds of other numbers, uh, all okay. in order, yes. All right. And, and, and we, they, okay, go ahead. March 20, it was either March 27th or 28th, 1977. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when you, at that time when you were applying for a number, if the number was assigned by your resident at your address of where you were living. And at that time, he, now he did not start using that number until the mid-80s, but the number was assigned in the 77 when he was 15 years old and in high school in Hawaii. All right. That's where people get confused because they think that he started using it then. He did not. I, okay. I didn't find him first using it until 86. And that's an interesting delay. I mean, I, I understand to some extent, um, given his age, to some extent. Well, think but, about it. By by 86, he had allegedly gone through Occidental. Right. He had allegedly, and I, and I use the term advisedly, allegedly gone to Columbia. Right. Um, it would have been after that that he started using a different number. Okay, okay, and, and there's a distinction there. Okay, now, so who, okay, so who does this number belong to? I just, again, I want to just affirm this up I, with, with I have never been able to find out. I, I sent, an, a, a, you know, a, a FOIA request years ago to um, Social Security Administration, and um, the, if you... If a person dies, they, there is no longer any expectation of privacy. So if somebody dies, like for instance, the person who had the number before his, he was a young guy that got his number when he was about 19 and died a couple, within a couple of years. I was able to get a copy of his entire file. You know, and wow. uh, same with somebody else who was about four numbers after that. But... Okay. Um, they, they, I got a response that no, that number was in use, the one Obama was using. But one of the things that I found when I was doing all this research on Obama is I went to a site where you can verify um, Social Security numbers. When I, I when I entered the number, no name, just the number, it came up with his birthday in the European order, in the American order. And also it said the year 1890. Right. All right, which it became very interesting when I then ran a cell phone number that he used to have and came up with maybe four or five pages of, of addresses in Illinois and Massachusetts and even in Washington, D.C., and it would have his date of birth, but intermittently as his date of birth it would say 1890. My contention has always been that it was somebody that was born in 1890 that died, and he absconded with their social security number. Probably with the help of somebody like Bill Ayers or, you know, well, since we see there's so many facets of the government now involved in this, it could have been anybody. 
Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with that. And I also agree with something else. And, and folks, uh, you're going to see the name um, uh, uh, Harrison Bonnell tossed yeah, around there. You know, that's just that, bogus. That, that's a red herring. It's right. Because I, um, they've tried to attribute it to him. Um, I found, I, I did a great deal of research on that name. Um, somebody took a leap. They they found a Harrison or a Harry Bunnell living in New York in 1940. That was the last a census that's released. That's how long they hold them. And some, they, somebody took a leap and said, well, he was in New York in 1940, so that had to be him in 1977 in Connecticut. And okay. it, it, it makes absolutely no sense. And then I found another uh, Harry Bunnell in, he, in the 1840 census, but um, he, he had been born like 40 years before that. So, I mean... No, <laughs> their Harry Bunnell did not have this number. Exactly. I don't know who had it. I I exhausted everything I could to find out, and uh, to the extent that um, I had a woman volunteer, and bless her heart, a lot of death certificates, not all of them in Connecticut, and not all of them anyway, anywhere, uh, they used to contain the Social Security number. Well, now the government is making it more and more difficult for people to find information. Right. So they, some of them have them on, some of them have them off. But a woman, without, without me asking, voluntarily went through about five or six years of death certificates. And she looked at 18,000 deaths in Connecticut. We're trying to find that social security number wow. because what the, the, what I thought happened is that in in 1977 when the number was uh, was assigned that the person who had been born in 1890 that they were older they probably needed medical care and could not get it without a social security number and keep in mind it was not mandatory originally for people to have a number. That's right. Yeah, it, it was certainly, I, my grandparents never had Social Security numbers. So, th But if somebody needed help from the government, they would have had to have a number. And I right. think that they it was assigned in 77, and so this woman looked from, I think, 77 all the way through 91 or 92, and then volunteered to start looking at all the other states around Connecticut, and I said, "No, no, wow. you you've done way more than yeah. than I would have imagined. So please don't." And, and yeah, you did all of this, you know, uh, just out of, out of the goodness of your heart for the patriotic uh, uh, cause. And this is what you found. By the way, folks, I, I did the same thing. And, and where this originated from, what Susan Daniels is talking about, this these are proprietary databases that you have to pay a fee to. Right. And, uh, you, you, of course, you have to submit your license, your, your, your information. Oh, yeah. Your you have to, be, you have to right. be insured. You have to be, yeah, I mean, you, you have yep. to have everything. To, yeah, to, no, I, yeah. 
I mean, I have the same thing being an investigator. So you've got, I mean, and if you misuse this as, remember Rebecca Schaefer back in the early 90s, she was that actress on, uh, I I guess I do remember. Yeah. And and some PI out there, uh, uh, gave a, uh, a perpetrator, a shooter, uh, uh, her home address by accessing one of these databases. So right. you got to be careful. You know, um, well, somebody did that. Remember, not too many, maybe ten years ago in Pennsylvania. Yes, did yes. The, the same thing happened. That, that's so right. You, had, you yeah. have to be very careful with what you, not only what you do, but what you do with the information once you find it. Exactly. So, so the, just to be clear, this is not some internet, you know, uh, fly by night thing. These oh, are, no. these are yeah, they could, no, people yeah. would, as, as you know, the people would not have access to what we have access to. That's right. And we only have it because we've been scrutinized so That's much. Right. That's right. So, so, okay. And now running forward here in 2012, yeah. July, what you had done, Knowing that, so you assembled all of this information in 08, 09, I guess it was, um, it, it, but nobody did anything about this. Uh, there was just, it, no one gave a doggone. I mean, no one cared. So, no. you, which is just remarkable to me because we don't even know who the hell's in the Oval Office. So in 2012 right. in July, you said enough. Okay, here's another election year. I'm going to file a lawsuit uh, to to get a temporary injunction to prevent Obama's name from being placed on the right, state ballot. on the Ohio ballot. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I had been collecting information for at that point several years already. It took me, oh, I think it was three months to organize the documents because what I did is the, the lawsuit itself is eight, runs 18 pages. But hedging my bets, I thought I want to include all my my supplementary information because if it gets thrown out, at least it'll be out there in the internet forever. They won't be able to say no. This lawsuit is meaningless. I put all my proof with with the lawsuit and and ended up filing it in uh, July of uh, 2012. But what I did is, and I don't know if a lot of your listeners know this, before I did that, there had been in excess of 130 lawsuits filed against Obama regarding his eligibility. Now, mine was the only one that had to do with the Social Security number because everybody else had taken a different tact. But almost every one of those lawsuits was immediately thrown out because the, the government claimed, and this is outrageous, that the people that filed it didn't have standing to go. file the lawsuit. Yep. So what I did to to circumvent that is I applied for, uh, uh, as a writing candidate for president, yeah. and I got the Ohio <laughs> Secretary of State to certify me as a writing candidate for president. And then I turned around and... The day after I got the document from him certifying me, I used it as one of my documents in the lawsuit to sue him. So they okay. could not throw my case out for standing because you, I, that's right. I, I, I was Obama was not a head head above me. We were on the same level. We were both candidates. It's an amazing thing that, that you had to do that to to um, uh, to fight the standing. Uh, yeah. ruling, you know, it, 
so I mean, congratulations, by the way, that that you were a write-in, you know, uh, candidate for president. I, I in actually Ohio. got some votes. Yeah, you did. That, that's what's hilarious. Somebody told me that I got like fifteen votes across the country. Wow. I know somebody in in one of the the mid counties in Ohio must have written my name, and I mean, I I. I didn't vote for me, but somebody in Ohio <laughs> did. That says something. You did, I didn't vote for myself, but you know. But but this is how we have to level the playing fields. So, so that's exactly exactly. Oh man! All right, you know we're up against the. Uh, we're getting close to the bottom of the hour here. So on the other side. Um, I yeah. just want to get your thoughts about just where we're at and what you saw. I mean, all of us having the run-up uh, to this next uh, segment here. In the run-up to this, you you had described you know Obama's social security number. You know, it's it's a it's a it's fraudulent. And oh yeah, my goodness, folks, the guy in the White House using a fraudulent social security number. And I and I contend, Susan, and I don't have any. 100% proof on this, but I believe this was a CIA. I believe the CIA was somehow involved in this. Oh, they absolutely were. How do you yeah. think he got into Harvard? Well, true. It was and, and the CIA, Percy Sutton, and the Saudis paid paid the tuition. And that this is how, folks, this is how, this is why, I suppose, uh, better stated, that the birther issue does matter. Folks, remember, right back, stay right where you're at. Stay right where you're at. Susan Daniels, you know, she's a private investigator in Chardon, Ohio. It's a suburb of uh, Cleveland. Uh, she d- doesn't have a website. No, nope, not a website. She's not looking for fame or fortune or anything. She's trying to get to the bottom and, and, and did an investigation about who Obama is, Barack Hussein Obama II. You'd think, you would think, wouldn't you, that that job would be the job of not just the political party, but the vetting process, part of the vetting process for a candidate. And if you think this is conspiracy nonsense, then you haven't been paying attention. Who in the hell is in the Oval Office, and what is his agenda? I think we know that by, of course, by his uh, the fruits of what he's done. He has bowed to, a deep bow, nonetheless, to the Saudis. Uh, and he's basically sold out this country to, well, for foreign interests, exactly what the Constitution Exactly why the Constitution put that so-called birther clause in the pejorative term birther clause. And Susan Daniels is a, in my view, she's a great private investigator, uh, well experienced, and has worked as a paralegal before. And I've met this woman. I've I've seen her investigative work product. And I see we bring on this show we bring to you the best. And Susan Daniels is one of the best. And that's my view. My but I've seen her investigative work product and. I would take and, and, and go to court with it. I certainly would. So, uh, Susan, uh, thanks for holding on and, and thanks for being with us tonight. Uh, oh, my you, pleasure. You know, it's, and folks, look, if you need PI services anywhere in Ohio, preferably around Cleveland, contact Susan Daniels. Um, she's open for business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We so, never close. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because the the landscape out there and the investigative landscape is always treacherous. But so you're always looking for somebody you can trust, and Susan Daniels is one. But Susan, let's get back to Obama here. Um, yeah, we, uh, and, and I interrupted you too. Uh, you've got uh, you've got this Saudi or this CIA Manchurian candidate, Saudi plant, perhaps. I don't know. We don't know who this guy is. But doing a background check for Fortune 100 companies, as we've both done, you couldn't you couldn't certify this guy for any position. Well, I I have a a friend who is uh, retired from the Secret Service, and he he said, uh, with his background, he would not have been hired as a janitor for the Secret Service. There you go. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yet we trust our entire uh, government. We the people trust and, and figure that you know the, uh, the vetting process was accomplished. So, so okay. Well, so wait, you, wait, before ahead. we go one step further, one thing people don't understand is uh, the candidates are not vetted. They're vetted by only their own party. They're not vetted by anybody else. Not anybody in the government. Not by the opposing party. Nothing. Mm. They they vet their own candidates, which means they're not vetted at all. Right. So yeah. Um, all right. It, it, this whole thing is just maddening. So when you when you watched the debate last night and you heard the birther issue brought up, I mean that was terribly misrepresented within that right. uh, the framework of that debate. Right. And, and people don't get. Well, this. and and I think what Trump was saying is that. Uh, it's just it's it's we have bigger fish to fry right now. It's not an issue. Um, okay. We we don't know where he came from. We really don't know. Um, I have never I've never thought that he was born in Kenya. To be perfectly honest, but I do know that he was not born in Hawaii. And the reason I know that is because I, I have close relatives that have lived in Hawaii for 35 years. There are only two hospitals when he was born where he could have been born, both of them on Oahu, and neither hospital will claim him. Huh. Something uh, for a president to, to you know. No. Wouldn't you think be a plaque, something? Yeah, uh, you would think, but of course that's that's not the case. For, for those people who say, well, he had to be born in Hawaii because of the newspaper announcement, so they, they reflect it that. It, you know, what people don't understand is Hawaii is is not at all like any of the rest of the states. They just, I mean, they even have what they call Hawaii time, which means <laughs> nobody shows up ever until an hour and a half after they're supposed to. Things are done differently there. People, people have babies and... That the grandmother could have gone and registered him at at one of their um, satellite offices. Right. It, it's it's not like it is here. It, it's it's not, and just because the announcements appear in the paper doesn't mean that there was any advanced conspiracy no. with that. No, it's just it's just lax reporting rules. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. No, and, he would. He, he should, and I believe at one time he did have a, a Hawaiian social security number. But I think that when um, when John Brennan was 
was overseeing things. Now, he's the, with the, the head of the CIA or whatever now, right. but yeah. at one point he was overseeing the passport office, and all of a sudden all of the information, passport information for Obama and his mother disappeared. And it was for the, 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 the five-year period from like 60 to 64, 65. Uh, we don't know where either one of them were. But I'm pretty right. sure that Obama has is using his second passport with the second set of social security numbers. You, you know, you mentioned John Brennan, and John Brennan, his name comes up in so many things. Um, now he, he, but go ahead. Well, he's he's a terrible man. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he and he's also a converted Muslim. There you go. That's right. And and people don't uh, I mean, people uh, don't know that. He's head of the CIA now. He doesn't. He doesn't admit that, but he did. He attended the Hajj. Uh, yeah, went on the Hajj. Yeah. Well, you know, keep in mind that Bush Senior was head of the CIA also. Right. So, so where are we at? I mean, you saw the debate. Well, you, saw we're in, cool. you know, we're in deep trouble. Is where we're at because the the entire government is corrupt. You know, I I mean, I don't know how you start. To get rid of them all, we can we we can see people blindly following, you know, Hillary Clinton, and and the question that comes to my mind is that that I just can't I just can't climb over is how does a woman who had no regard for four men who were under siege in Benghazi then lie to their parents over their dead bodies? Man. Who does something like that? Exactly, and that's not the last time or the first time. I mean, and no, we we saw that with uh, the SEAL Team Six. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, uh, Joe Biden comes out and announces SEAL Team Six. Yes, you know, you you never tell anybody who has done what because look at look how many of them got killed then, and other SEALs. Right, and extortion that, and that helicopter yep. crash. Yep, yep, extortion seventeen. We we talked to Charles Strange, the Gold Star father of uh, Michael Strange, and head yeah. of the Michael Strange Foundation. We had him on, and and we talked with him. And people people need to understand the SEAL Team Six, the, the extortion seventeen flight, the helicopter. Um, that to me that was that 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 was deliberately. No, that was a setup. I mean, they were. Oh, of course were... it was. It didn't even have any Blackhawks to guard it. Right. right. And, and it was an old helicopter that should not have been used. And there should not have been that many seals on it at one time. Exactly. And, yeah, and Bart the dog even uh, perished in that. Uh, yeah. Susan, where. Okay. All of this, I mean, your experience, your investigative work that to, to provide the investigative product to the American people, slumbering public, no less. But, um, okay, the debate last night, Hillary Clinton, you, you, have, you saw her performance. Um, right. You know, uh, by the way, as an investigator, you, you sent me that image. I think, I think we might have that image of Hillary Clinton, that, that, what was I thought that, that was pretty interesting, wasn't it? Well, yeah. Um, Where you can see the wire up the back. Yeah, and that brick-like thing in, in her back. I mean, yeah. And somebody said, "Well, maybe that was just a backup in case the mics fight, uh, failed on the uh, podium." But I didn't see anything like that on Trump. 
No, and and that's one hell of a backup. I mean, sorry, but, yeah. but man, are you yep. are you kidding? I, I mean, in today's society. Oh wait, Eric, the tech might have something here. This is what. Okay, so what is the? Oh, this is a USB cable. For okay, this is. Sorry, what are you telling me with this, Eric? Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, so it, you know, Susan, what what I'm holding here, and folks at home, I mean, this is a a USB cable that goes to it. We go to a smartphone kind of device, but but man, that that's a heck of an impression there in her yep. on her clothes. Um, and you'd think in 2016 you would have something a lot lot less uh, formidable there. Well, she had that that pearl bud in her ear what a week or two ago. Yes, yes. Picture of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so, nothing nothing honest about the woman. I mean, she she is our Eva Perone. There you go. And we're being gamed every day. Every uh, day. He wants his he wants his cord back. I got to give him the cord back. Okay. Yeah, we're being gamed. <laughs> uh, we are being gamed. So okay. Um, what do you see happening here? And you're a level-headed woman. You are uh, spot on, as far as I, I'm concerned, with your investigative oh, findings. Thank you. I am what? hoping. I I am hoping that uh, the Donald Trump, and he seems to be able to. I mean, he brings out these enormous crowds. Right. I'm hoping that when we, in November that he gets. So many votes that they cannot, cannot fraudulently give her the votes from the Electoral College. You know, we mm. we have to worry about the voter fraud because right. we—that's all we have seen forever. We just didn't stop to think about it. No, I, I agree. If, if if Donald Trump doesn't get in, everybody just ought to pack up everything and figure out what they're going to do with their lives because the country is in in just is in a mess now in a downward spiral. And uh, Hillary Clinton will finish the job that Barack Obama has done. They we will never have another Republican president if Trump does not get in. Because they will load up the country with illegals that they then give the right to vote, and we will never again have enough Republican votes to put anybody in office. So when people start talking about, well, in 2020, I want to laugh because there won't be a 2020. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Can one man, I, I know that, that Trump, I, I, I'm holding, I'm praying that Trump can make a difference, but I guess that's my question. Can one man make that much of a difference in you know today's what? environment? He, he can make a start. You know True. what he, he's, what he has done is, is really so amazing because he, he came from nowhere. You know, everybody thought it was a joke because he was one of 17. And they, uh, I, I to, to tell you the truth, I don't think he was a serious candidate to start with. But what I think happened is that he, everybody turned on him so quickly. You know, like Macy's dropped his line of clothing, and and other people, politicians started attacking him. And I think, I think it, it dawned on him. He said, "Wait a minute, I'm a billionaire. Why? I'm one of them. Why are they doing this to me?" And then I think it dawned on him. 
if they're doing this to me, what are they doing to the rest of the country? And I that's think right. that he, I, I mean, I think that at that point he said, that's it, I'm doing this. Because, I mean, he did not need this. He's got all the money, he's got all the everything he ever needs. That's right, yeah. You yeah, know, I mean, and that's what yeah. makes me think he's so honest. Well, yeah, um, it's it's we you know it's hard to tell what's in a man's heart or a woman's heart right. except by their actions. So we you know it's difficult at this point. However, what's the alternative? I mean, Hillary, we know what's coming with her. We, we know what she'll do. We've yeah. seen what she's capable of. You know, and and I thought this interesting. I read this late this afternoon. You know, Trump said. You know, when she started on him last night about insulting women and stuff, he held back. You know, I could see that he wanted to say something about Bill and his behavior and her enabling his his behavior all these years. You know, that the man is a rapist. There's nobody that can argue can't argue that point. But he, he and he said toward the end of the thing, you know, there's something I would say. But I'm just not going to. Well, today he said, I was going to say something about Bill. He said, but Chelsea was there, and I didn't want to do it. And you know what Hillary's response was? Let him bring it on. Okay. He's trying to protect her daughter, and she isn't. You know, it almost makes me not have any compassion or empathy for Hillary when she says that. Bring it on, yeah. I have none. I have none. When I, when you lie, you lie to parents about the death of their sons. That yeah. that, that, that that ends it for me. You will never, never. I mean, when people say, "I don't wish her," I, you know, "I don't wish her ill." I wish her ill. <laughs> well, you know, you, and we come from the same cloth in terms of experience. Um, right. I, I think you know, and you see so much, and you see all of this, um, this. Crap out there! Sorry, but I yeah, mean, that, that, that's it, I mean that's that's the only word for it. The 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 dregs of humanity at, at yep. times. You're you know you go to the prisons the the uh, to interview people and, and it's, people it's, don't we see have, some bad things. Yeah, I mean they, they, people don't understand. No, um, what's in these prisons? What's out there on the streets? Even uh, Susan, um, I, I I've gotten probably ten emails about this since you've been on. Asking want people wanting me to ask you all across the country ask to ask you about the Clinton Foundation and about Clinton's emails. Um, what are your thoughts? Have you investigated anything with respect to Hillary at all? No, I I really haven't. I mean, I read everything that I can. I mean, what I I did see a documentary the other night though, and it made me sick because the Clintons took over the the money that was supposed to. Um, help after the earthquake in Haiti and right. they just they stole the money I mean it, it included 140 million dollars it was supposed to be for a hospital that was destroyed and rebuilt it's never been rebuilt you know they nice. they gave they gave money to um, a company in the northern part of Haiti that was not even affected by the earthquake right. I mean they're 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 horrible people they they are the dregs of humanity. They I I have never no I have never done anything with her other okay. than what I'm reading, you know. But people need to read. I mean, these stories are not like thrilling to read, but you need to read them so you understand what's going on. 
Exactly. And the other the other part of that question is, um, what about the emails? What are your thoughts on the emails with Comey, you know, taking that position that he did well, the head of the FBI? Well, when I read that Comey used to work for the Clinton Foundation, I was stunned. And then when I read that his brother does the Clinton's taxes, I, I, I you know what, I, I bought the, the story when he first took office that he was a stand-up guy. He's not. He's as corrupt as the rest of them. Yeah, I agree. He had uh, no I, intention, yeah. I, it, especially when it turns out that uh, Obama says, well, he didn't know about her server until he read it in the news, and now it comes out yesterday that he was you know, emailing her with a, a suit on him. Right, exactly. And I, I kind of wonder what that, that fake Internet name or the email name was. Um, I could think of a few, but I'll... I'll you know, well, the time. only thing that disappointed me last night is when when Trump said, and and, and I, I, it makes me laugh about the, the tax returns because I'd like to see the Clinton Foundation tax returns. But oh, when, when Donald yeah. Trump says, "Well, you know, I'll turn them over when you give me the emails," I would have preferred if he would have said, "I'll turn them over when you give me your medical reports." There you go. Yeah. Well, what do you, you know? You've seen a lot, and we we've, we've both. Um, I mean, in, in our Experience. We've dealt with a lot of uh, claims, claimants, and and illnesses and such. What do you think is right? What's your gut telling you about Hillary? Her medical- oh, she's really sick. I don't know how they. I don't know what they did to her yesterday. Um, I really don't know how they managed to get her standing up for that long. Um, but if you noticed her eye, she was blinking like crazy. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. I did. Yeah, especially the last half hour. Um, I think her health is terrible. Um, I think she has no business even running for the office. And um, were she to be elected, <laughs> and 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 I don't think she'd be president very long. Let's just put it yeah. that way. I I, I I agree with that. I, I think that she's uh, seriously ill. I think that, that they're yeah. hiding things. And, and, you know, if you notice the letter, folks, I mean, she did not release her medical records, at least not the no. pertinent ones, you know? Well, it's, it's all a show. I don't, know, I don't know if you saw the video but the, of her getting in the car, but somebody had clarified it and lightened up the colors and things so you could see better what was going on. And it's much worse than it actually looked like. I mean, her feet were turned upside down. She She could not... She was literally thrown into that yes. into that SUV. Yeah, face slammed into that. It, it, you know, it's you have to wonder. It, it didn't appear that she was conscious at all. It, no. And that's, yeah. So all of this, I mean, we are again. The the, the lies are so blatant and so conspicuous. Um, they don't. They don't care know. anymore. They don't no. care that we know. That's right. You're you're exactly right. I I just um, I. Oh, the other thing too, I wanted to bring up with you, the Hillary or Chelsea's apartment, and we keep getting information about this. There's a medical company whose address is the same as Chelsea's apartment. Did you see any of that? Well, what I saw is that that Chelsea is supposed to have the entire fourth floor of that building, that her condo, that, right. that ten million dollar condo, was the entire floor, and that they converted a room into like. Essentially, uh, uh, like a medical—I uh, wouldn't say operating room, but something similar. Right, right, and 
So when she when she goes to that that her apartment, well, I it's asked, very possible. I, I asked I asked somebody. I said, why was she not immediately taken to the hospital? And I was told that whoever the the Secret Service agent in charge, they they make the call. They just if it's not life threatening, then the person can decide where they want to go. And so they knew the drill. They knew the drill. They What's knew. That? They knew oh, of the course drill. They did. Of yeah. course they did. And I'd like to know who the who that guy is. He is not a Secret Service agent. The black guy who walks around with the, with the equivalent of an epipen. Right. Right. Um, well, he's got to be cleared by the Secret Service or have Secret Service clearance. But you're saying now, what makes you say he's not a Secret Service agent? Because he I've does, heard that he doesn't. He does not. He just. I just know he's not. Okay. And right. and in addition to which, uh, the Secret Service agents don't touch their protectees. If at one point I in, remember when she she went off like into a like a, a mini seizure and he he walked up to her and put his arm around her and said it's okay keep just you've gone. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, that's not how a Secret Service agent behaves. Their job is to protect them, not to coddle them. I don't believe for a minute that he's a Secret Service agent. No, I I, have, I tend to agree with you on that. I, I I don't have any proof of that, but I no, I, I don't either. I don't. Know, it's yeah. just a, you know, it's it's just instinct. No, I agree. Well, well Susan, I I just again I, I thank you so much for being uh, for coming on tonight. I, I know a short notice, and I, the debate really triggered me. It made me think of you and your work that you that you've done about Obama and. Uh, I think we ought to commission you. Let's, folks, let's commission her to get some work done on Hillary. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate so much you even wanting me to be on because I, you know, I have not given up on this, but I do get discouraged and I feel less discouraged now after well, having good. a chance to talk about it. Well, that's great. You know, and we, we have to, we really have to, uh, I, I believe we have to put up a, a formidable fight. I mean, we're not going down without a fight, folks. No, and, no. And, and you know, Susan, you are um, your your investigative work product is, is is absolutely incredible. And I just again, I want to thank you so much for everything you do. And we're going to be talking because I'm going to we're we're going to we're going to get the team together, investigative team together, and we're going to out these people to the best I, of our I, I ability. Count me in. All right. Absolutely, All count right. me in. All right, Susan, thank you so much. And by the way, if people want to get in touch with you, they can do that. Susan Daniels and Associates in Chardon, Ohio. Um, your email is, is susandanielspi at, at AOL.com, correct? Correct. Okay. That's susandanielspi at AOL.com. All right. God bless you, kiddo. Thank you so much. We'll be talking oh, thank soon. You, thank you so much, Doug. It's All been right. a real pleasure talking Thanks. to you. All right. Folks, that was Susan Daniels. Uh, Susan Daniels, she's a private investigator. Again, the backdrop on this, uh, she's the one that, that gave everybody the information about Obama's Social Security number, the original person, not an imitator, the original person, and the investigative work that she did. You know, we didn't talk about what she went through, the harassment that she went through. Uh, you, you, you don't, you think that this came at no cost? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Uh, she's still alive, breathing, but <laughs> everyone pays a for You know, she's paid a price for her good work. And um, just understand that when you get into this area, this area of investigation, you start poking at the bear. Yeah, the bear's going to take a swipe, and that bear's got some claws. 
but we have to still be in the fight. We have to still fight. And um, I, I truly believe that we, through, it's going to be you and I. It's going to be Susan Daniels. It's going to be us who make the difference in this. Because we cannot give this to the FBI. We can't give this to the Department of Justice or the Attorney General or the Inspector General. Where do you go? You take it to the American people and you show, you prove, you take it to the court of public opinion. And I know people will say, look, you can, you can have Hillary on, you know, on video sacrificing a puppy and on, and, and it's not going to change people's minds. But, you know, I think if enough evidence is submitted, the totality of evidence, uh, will change the hearts and minds of people. And besides, you're going to stop trying? No. We've been commanded to, to occupy it until we no longer can or until the time is over. Stan Dale coming up next. Stay right where you're at. Just thinking about where we're at, headline-wise, where we're at, news-wise, it's something, isn't it? Uh, I mean, did you think, did you think that we would be seeing what we're seeing today—the uh, lawlessness that's across the country, the lawlessness of the globalists, the Luciferian power brokers? Well, you know what? It's time to prepare. Prepare. We must do AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. You want food? You want good food to put in your pantry and to. Um, to, to prepare for those supply disruptions. American Survival Wholesale, they carry Thrive Brand food. Let me tell you, they have some hard-to-get items right now at AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. If you want to be eating better than you're, better than you would be without this, you can grab it. Um, AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com, they're our go-to company for all long-term survival foods. Amazing. It's a, it's a Christian owned, veteran owned company, but their, their food products are just out of this world at americansurvivalwholesale.com. And by the way, they, they give you, they, their, their prices are even better than, uh, the companies that they sell, uh, their retail price. So contact americansurvivalwholesale.com and they will also, if you have any questions, you can email them and, They'll give you the, they'll set you up if you have any dietary needs, special dietary needs, or if you have any questions on how much to buy or whatever, uh, just contact the owner chance at americansurvivalwholesale.com. And that just reminds me before you get to Stan, uh, Greenovative, greenovative.com. You heard Alan come on and talk about his, uh, the small company in Florida that created the GMAG power cell. You heard about that for the first time here on the Hagman Report earlier. It, it, it's, it's a battery charger using salt water or in the worst case scenario, yeah, your output, bodily output, uh, fluid. So, there you have it. Two great companies, AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com and Green Evative, both linked off of HagmanReport.com. This gentleman, Stan Deo, is a guy that, uh, man, you talk about great stuff. Stan, how you doing? I'm going to bring you on StanDeo.com. How you doing, sir? Very good. Um, how's Joe tonight? He's doing well. He's he's doing well. He'll be back here later this week. It's uh, just resting up. Uh, he's uh he's got the he's got some bronchitis going on there. So not good. I know a lot yeah. of people getting that right now. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, 
Yeah, it's always, you know, it's always something. It's something always going around, but, uh, that said, now you were out last week and you're feeling better, which I, it's my understanding. That's good, right? Yeah, the um, the uh, medicine that the uh, neurosurgeon gave me uh, uh, is uh, taking effect. It takes about ten days to two weeks, and uh, mm. I feel you know uh, encouraged by it. So yeah, I mean I've, I've been on pain meds now for two or three days, so it's good. Okay, well that's that's wonderful. Now I got to bring something up. I know you touched on this in our earlier programs, previous programs, but in in Anthony Patch's book and. In, in, uh, the other authors, uh, Gons and Josh Beck and others, uh, yeah. revising reality, revising reality. You know, I, that forward that you wrote, my goodness. Huh. Folks, Standale, I mean, you've been silent, somewhat silent on a lot of the issues that you touched on in the forward. I don't want to give too much away or I don't want to go anywhere where you don't want to go. But I just wanted to bring that up and, and just say, what in the, I mean, wow. Um, <laughs> how? It, it, wow, it blew my mind. Yeah, you know, you've been, you've done things that only, I mean, people can only, a lot of people, most people can only dream about and, and been in places to see things that, uh, people would think is just nonsense, right? I mean. Yeah, I'm sure they would, but, uh, very shortly, I suspect within the next year or two, maybe less, I think that, uh, people will understand a lot about this being uh, the truth and reality. That's kind of what I was uh, asked to do that forward in the book for, was to help people understand that there is another reality around us that they're missing, but very soon yeah. you're going to see. Yeah, and, and, I, and I sense that too with the with the uh, tenor and the uh, expedient, or the, the rapid nature of the headlines that we see breaking every day. I, I sense that we're, we're going to see it soon as well. Things change. The what we thought would it couldn't be, you know, become reality very quickly. Standale.com, folks. Uh, prophetic perils is going to be shipping today. Uh, back orders of prophetic perils are going to be shipping today. If you haven't gotten your book, Prophetic Perils by Holly Dale, man, grab that. You talk about uh, hitting home that that book does. Stan, where do you want to go tonight? What do you want to talk? What do you want to talk well, about? first, let me say that we've um, got up all of our back orders, and we're now taking new orders for the the book. Uh, we <laughs> have been throwing them out the door for two days now, then like crazy. Our place <laughs> looks like a war zone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, we're caught up, and uh, we've had a number of churches wanting to buy it for, you know, the, the whole congregation, which gives you an idea of the popularity of it. Um, it just is, uh, it's taken us all by surprise, but, uh, we're very, uh, pleasantly surprised by that, I should say. And, uh, it's a book that, uh, you know, it was timely. It was, it was needed now, we can tell. And, uh, uh, we hope that more of your, your listeners will get a chance to see it and, uh, to buy it. Um, and, uh, the, uh, as you said in the other book, the, the forward that I did probably said a bit more about you know, my uh, past history than most people uh, know about. Um, and it it was kind of like uh, living a James Bond-type uh, novel, except I wasn't James Bond. I was a fugitive, like, you know, the fugitive in that TV series years ago. I had, uh, after things went south with uh, the project I was involved in, I had uh, intelligence agents chasing me from the FBI and from KGB and from the Vatican, even, into the desert of... Uh, 
the the uh, Nullarbor Desert of South Australia, uh, leading over to West Australia to Perth. So it was exciting. I I certainly uh, came to the Lord during that little excursion there in the uh, desert uh, one night uh, when I figured uh, I wasn't going to be long for this world. It kind of tends to make things get very clear to you. Yeah, uh, Lord. Yeah, folks, did you hear what he just said? Yeah, you know, I had KGB chasing me, and I had you know intelligence agents chasing me, and uh, and and well, I'll just say that you made it; others did not. Um, yeah, 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 no. yeah, just just you know, yeah, yeah, I had the intelligence agencies on my butt going through the deserts of Australia. Yes, Dan. Um, <laughs> Revising reality is where is where that appears. Revising reality by Anthony Patch. It's it's a, it's a phenomenal forward. Just that forward itself is just worth uh, worth everything. Yeah, I learned some things about you that um, I had heard, but I wasn't. I didn't. I first time I read it anywhere. So thank you for writing that. By the way. Okay. Well, yeah. The guys, uh, you know, asked me to do it, and uh, I thought, well, okay. And then I said, well, let me have read the book first. And I thought, well, boy. Uh, this requires saying a bit more than just a nice book. You know? Yeah, uh, you've got. Have you seen a copy of it? I think you have, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a yeah. copy here. And in fact, I was supposed to. I was asked to write the afterword, and I, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm I, after reading the forward and then reading the book. I'm thinking, I don't know if there's anything I can even say or write. You know, I don't know, <laughs> man. I mean, we, it kind of leaves your jaw dropping, doesn't it? Yes, yes, it does. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll just stop right there because I. What am I gonna? I just. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, uh, this, put it to prayer and think about it. I'm sure you'll come up with what you need to say. Oh, I. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I, I guess I got a few things up my sleeve, but anyway. Uh, so, Stan, where? Yeah, where do where do we go today? Where Where do we go? Well, where one of the the, um, the kind of. The high things on my radar and, and Holly's radar as well has been the number of earthquakes in the Salton Sea in the last uh, 36 to 48 hours. Um, I have a link to it up on the show images page, uh, second row, first image, image number seven. And you can read the article that was written about it um, by, by the press. The, the details of it were coming in to me through the live feed, and at the same time, I was getting email after email from Kim, our earthquake lady. Uh, and uh, she was excited, and uh, certainly I was excited, and so was Holly. Seeing all the thing, these things, just these notices streamed down the page. I mean, thirty-six of them just came in, just bang, bang, bang on the screen. Um, and it's important because in the article they touch on the fact that where this is occurring is at the southern tip of the San Andreas Fault, and you know, uh, uh, I think that that's probably uh, reasonably important. Um, it's connected, uh, in essence, and uh, I don't know whether that indicates that it's going to just ripple right on up the uh, the fault line or what. Um, I'm just reading down here to see if I can... Uh, okay, the area is also veined by dozens of faults, most notably the San Andreas, that run parallel to and crisscross one another. The Salton Sea itself sits atop a very thin crust, which I've mentioned before about how when a major quake, just one occurred there, you'd see aftershocks, bang, bang, bang. But they had at least three over a Richter four there, so this is not just a normal you know, reverberation. There's something moving down there. And that thin crust is being constantly stretched as the, uh, like the North American and Pacific uh, tectonic plates kind of grind against each other. Um, 
the the scientific opinion, I mean, you'll see this in the article, is that because this is so thin in the area of the southern Salton Sea area there, that the hotter material gets closer to the surface and causes these timblers. But what I'm looking at is, okay, so it causes the earthquakes, the timblers, but it's also weakening all these crisscross fault lines there. It's softening them up and going to let them relieve uh, pressure. Hopefully there'll be a lot of little ones like this, and it won't be the big one that everybody keeps talking about. But on the other hand, it's in God's timing about when he's going to let that happen, if if he is. But anyway. It's, yeah, the, uh, the timing of this uh, as well doesn't sit well with me. I mean, looking at it, um, yeah, I mean, okay. And <laughs> this is unusual, right? The, the amount and the location. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I saw several articles. I don't know it's, it, whether it's in the one I put out, but they talk about uh, this has only happened two or three times in the last, oh, you know, nearly 75 years or so. Um, so they're all uh, suitably impressed by it and watching it uh, very closely. Um, and, uh, you know, for good uh, for good reason. I mean, the article I put up is from the, the uh, L.A. Times, and uh, even though they're south, uh, sorry, sorry, they're north of it, uh, just a little bit. Um, it, it's still a concern because the fault line runs right on up through there where they are. Uh, you know, nine of the quakes were over Richter 3. So it, it's definitely a, a good swarm, you know, a fairly uh, a big one. And, um, you know, we've seen earthquakes here in the area, you know, Richter 2, 5, 3, little swarms of tiny ones. And in fact, we've talked about it in the show in the past. But this is just. Um, you know, three or four of them being over Richard Forwell, you know, that's that's interesting and that's news. So read the article and read, uh, look it up on other articles and see uh, All right. which ones tell you, you know, how often this has occurred. I think back to 1933, if I recall. But anyway, that's mm. just statistics. But it's uh, of concern to people living in that area. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. But yeah. Uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, where this is going to take us, uh, man, you think about the property. And again, folks, this is why we tell you to prepare, because if you're in that area, you know, the old saying about statistics, they don't mean much to you until you're one of the statistics, you know, whether it's damage or property or whatever it might be. Indeed. All right. Okay. Yeah, look, I'm, you know, I'm having trouble uh, with our modem uh Okay. The CenturyLink uh, carries our, you know, has our modem. They bought uh, the company that, that we used to have uh, servicing us. And we found out yesterday and the day before things started running slow on our, our computers and our internet access. We couldn't figure out what was wrong. It was like they were being choked, and it would take forever for a picture to load. And finally, this morning when we got up and turned on the modem, it didn't uh, find any internet. It was there were no internet. Um, the motor was fine, and we called the company, you know, CenturyLink, and talked to a service tech. And come to find out that a few weeks back, they had upgraded their servers, and now it can't uh, talk to our modem as fast as it would like to because our modem is too old. So oh. we're now in the process of ordering new uh, modems and spending more money sure. to make them happy. Uh, you know, to, uh, to to get it back to, to normal. So it will be uh, a little stressed here, uh, you know, for the next week until I get that stuff in. I'm uh, okay. trying to get some stuff up uh, for today's show, uh, some images uh, or the videos, 
and uh, these videos are of every month of this year, from January 1st, you know, month at a time down to now, high-speed uh, animations of the activity of the sun. And I guarantee you, when you go to look at that, you're going to be impressed because I show um, in image uh, 8, when you click onto that, you go down to a sub-page which lists all nine months uh, of the uh, solar animations. You'll see how busy our sun has been. You'll see how it's boiling off stuff. Now, it's a quiet sun, right? We're at the bottom of, you know, the, at the, of the curve of the solar sunspot cycle. We're supposed to be cool and quiet. And if you look at these videos, you will be impressed with how not quiet the sun is. And interestingly, I did this, I was getting ready last week with this, and I pulled down uh, the animations for September from the 1st of September to the 14th. So today I thought, well, I better update that before the show, and I'll get, you know, all of September up to the 27th and put it up. I went on to Soho's site. I could see all their other short-term movies. I could, you know, for three days, I could see individual uh, images of today, the, the most recent ones of the sun in various wavelengths. But try to make a movie, try to get the whole month or any part of September in, an, uh, in a video, not happening. Uh, server wow. error, you can't do this. And it even popped up one point, I can Europe. Uh, give you a clue what's happening. Does that I can kind of ring a bell with you? Oh, uh, yeah. So they're shifting stuff around over there. So I sent an, uh, a message to the uh, tech people there at uh, Soho, and I said, look, be nice if you could fix this. Um, so then I got another browser, and I tried it again. Holly tried it on her computer. We get the same result. Can't do, you know. Um, and uh, I don't know whether it's just an accident or whether hmm, they'd rather not publish what's happened in the last two weeks on the sun because, you know, uh, it's, there's an article I haven't put up yet. I'll try to do it during the break. Uh, it was space weather. It was telling about this uh, fast-moving solar wind uh, ejection from the sun that's hitting us now and making aurora at the uh, North Pole and down, you know, further down very brilliant ones because it's a very energetic uh, you know uh, ejection and right. um, that would have happened you know in the last oh, two or three days but I can't get that uh, that information uh, beyond uh, the well I can't get videos of it at all except some of their GIF uh, things which are really poor quality um, anyway it's uh, I'm wondering if there's something happening that we're not being told yet I'm not uh, trying to be conspiracy but uh no, anyway, I, I understand yeah. that. Well, you mentioned the ICANN uh, message there. Um, I just have to ask you, uh, your understanding of this ICANN, this this uh, uh, trade-off, this United States giving up uh, the uh, oversight of the, uh, the dot com or the addresses, the URLs, what's that going to do? I mean... What, what's well, who's going to be in charge of it, you know? I mean, really. Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, I know that they've put pressure, uh, you know, like on Michael Savage on his show, the network did one station up in New York and just cut him off air, put a substitute old program uh, when he started talking about Hillary on the, on the air. That's the thin That's end right. of the wedge, you know. Uh, he's, um, they didn't even tell him he'd been cut off. He was still you know, broadcasting some of the stations and Internet uh, response, I guess. But it's it's um, Big Brother is there and active. Uh, you can't talk about Hillary like that, so... You know, that's yeah. the establishment, and uh, they're pressing down on us. And so they start with Savage, and then they'll get to you and to a lot of other folks that are on the Internet uh, telling, you know, the truth about things. So I mm. suspect this is telling us 
we're getting extremely close to the beginning of the tribulation period. And uh, I personally, I believe that we're getting extremely close at the same time to the rapture of the uh, aware and, and believing and uh, observing Christians uh, around the world. Uh, certainly I've been getting a lot of email from people that are uh, pre-trib rapture people saying, look, all these signs are adding up. And when you read Holly's book, you know, the prophetic perils, you, you see why they're, they're saying that. It's just, boy. Yeah, it is, it, it, <laughs> indeed fast. Um, yeah, and, and of course with the with the Temple Arch uh, in the Bail in New York City now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not poking God too too hard in the eye, but it's all right. Yeah, right. Well, I tell you, I I just I know that we're going to have several curves, several event curves come to a head. Uh, on the earth, in the eyes of the the people, not so much the the governments, but the people. They want the people to be uh, excited and and need a one world government. And I've said for years, uh, starting in 1978 in the Cosmic Conspiracy, there are going to be several crisis curves that will come to a head at some point in the future. And I think this is we're we're about there, which will make people run for a, you know, toward a one world government uh, run by somebody that's. Uh, Allegedly uh, fair and uh, you know trustworthy, uh, you know uh, individual. And here's why: mm-hmm. we're seeing, as Holly points out in her book, we're seeing um, huge famines, uh, which are being escalated now by droughts uh, in California and other places in the world. Uh, and and uh, people are. This is one of the crisis curves: the famine. But food prices are rising, and they're going to rise a lot quicker fairly soon around the world. If something happens in California to, you know, which I suspect it will because of the, the water that's been depleted and lowered the, the floor of the San Joaquin Valley, um, that we're going to see uh, several earthquakes here that will damage infrastructure. I don't think that it'll actually put, you know, California into the ocean. It might break it up into some little islands, depending on where the faults release. But that's going to hit food production massively for the United States and a lot of what we export. So famine, one curve, drought, part of that, and drought, of course, causing migrations of populations uh, in other countries as well as here. Uh, flooding is occurring, so it's, it's um, geophysical uh, weather type events occurs, which are going to get people's attention because they hit their pocketbook at the at the grocery store, and also their jobs and homes and uh, insurance companies are. I don't know whether they're really geared to take the heavy load that they're going to get when these kind of things get really intense. Super lightning storms. Uh, we're seeing lightning that's uh, one bolt at Oklahoma was what 200 miles long. Uh, yeah, it was, that was incredible. big. It was. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's what I've been saying. We're going to see extraordinary extremes in the weather as we uh, enter into this uh, phase of the uh, sun's activity and the uh, increased heat in all the planets, including Earth, in the uh, biosphere. Now. We're seeing more meteors coming in that are big, you know, whether they be four or five basketball sizes uh, in diameter, whether they be big enough to act like a nuclear bomb that hit close to a city in Russia recently, you know, and uh, damage buildings and kill people. Uh, one went over Queensland uh, about uh, 24 hours ago. And they think it fell into the sea, but it caused a quake. People thought they were having an earthquake. Another one went into Canada, and Holly will be talking about that tomorrow. She'll have that story up on the uh, news site. 
So these little bits and pieces of stuff big enough to, to cause uh, minor quakes and uh, impressive uh, displays in the sky will increase. So we're moving into some kind of an area which is uncharted as far as I know. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting stuff that's passing us more frequently. They say the next day, oh, by the way, uh, such and such a meteor came close to hitting the Earth, but it didn't. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, and so that's another one of the curves. It's astronomical events are going to become rather intense. That's why I put up that folder of uh, solar animations uh, of the of the sun every month. You know, every day of every month this year to let people see how it's boiling. It's just uh, I I look at this. I look at it again every now and then myself, and it is just impressive. You just you just see the sun. You know, the days all compressed into maybe uh, fifty seconds. And, uh, of a month, and you think, "Wow, look at that! Our sun is really the the source of global warming here, and on Mars, and on Venus, Mercury, Saturn, Jupiter—all of them are getting hit by what is happening." Okay, so that's another curve, and then we've got the threat of nuclear war in the Middle East, and from uh, North Korea, and from Iran. We have the Saudis trying to buy nuclear weapons, either from Pakistan or if they can get them from Obama. Um, you know, the the administration at the moment is just really not friendly with Israel. So if Saudi Arabia does get weapons from somebody, nuclear weapons, and starts a move militarily in the Middle East and turns toward Israel instead of, say, like uh, Syria or Iran, because they're, they're enemies in both places to the Saudis, they may turn on their 34-nation consortium onto Israel, and they'll get the surprise of their life because, the, as we've said before, the Israelis are not defenseless. They have been building their own nuclear arsenals. And in prophecy, as Holly does uh, mention in the book, uh, the Saudi-led consortium will attack Israel and their army will be decimated by fire. And the upper half of Saudi Arabia will be given over to Israel as part of its original territory all the way down to about Riyadh in the middle of it, of uh, Saudi Arabia today. So this a nuclear uh, war threat. Now, when that happens, uh, of course, the nations of the world are going to see that uh, Israel has some nasty surprises to deal with her enemies, and they will rush to make a peace treaty, a covenant with Israel, saying, you know, look, uh, let's steady on here. Let's, let's don't be using those kind of weapons anywhere anymore. Uh, let's be friends. And somebody will ratify that, uh, that will be the Antichrist. I have a couple of people in mind, but anyway, um, that will be ratified. That's another one of the curves. Threat of nuclear war, uh, poverty, uh, economic chaos. We're on the verge of a total economic collapse of the world's economy. I'm really on the verge. There are a lot of professional financial people saying this on the Internet. Okay, with drought, with uh, astronomical events, uh, and we haven't seen a pandemic yet, like a great sickness across the planet, but that will probably follow with the increasing poverty and uh, starvation and uh, uh, refugee camps where diseases proliferate. Mm. Poor Jordan, they're taking in, you know, like a million or so, you know, that they just didn't have room for or didn't have the, the food to feed and medicine to take care of, but uh, they're coming out of Syria and of Jordan, and so... Uh, the king is doing the best he can to uh, take care of them. But these camps form, and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sanitation and things like that will go by the wayside as things get worse. People will cry out all over the planet at a personal level, not at a government level, saying, will someone fix this, solve the planet? Uh, you know, if you can do that, you're our hero. And then the, the last curve is, surprise, surprise, the 
disclosure of the UFO alien satanic presence, really, but the UFO alien uh, arrival and interface with mankind over the last uh, few decades, if not build as over thousands of years. And there and it is. Is uh, Wow. Stan, hold on. We're going to be right back. Hagman and Hagman with Stan Dale. Com, HagmanReport.com, Hagman and Hagman.com are two websites. You can uh, like us on Facebook, uh, Hagman Report, and uh, Twitter, at Hagman Report, of course, and uh, social networking. Just just go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. That does help us with visibility. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, joining us and listening to us and watching us. Thank you. And thank Global Star. I want to thank Global Star Radio Network for carrying our program. And God bless you again for all you do and, and each and every one of you out there. Now we're going to go right back to Stan Dale. I, I, I'm going to have a ride on my hands if I don't ask you this question. So many people in the last 30 minutes, Stan, have sent me Either sent me the picture, they're not watching the program, uh, sent me the picture of Hillary Clinton, or had sent me emails about Hillary Clinton about that block in her back yesterday, and it's making the rounds on the internet saying, get Stan's take on what that is. Did you see that picture, Stan, of Hillary Clinton? No. Yesterday? No. Yeah. Where, where did they see it? it? This was a still image. This was actually taken off Twitter. Um, it was a still image. Maybe, I don't know, uh, Eric, can you, can you, if you've got video capabilities there, Stan, you'll see it. In a, I'm just probably. pulling it up here now okay. to see if I... Yeah, about 25 seconds you'll see it. Um, there's a delay, about 30 seconds. But it looks like... It, you know uh, those uh, chargers for laptops, you know, the transformer boxes, the long rectangular ones? It looks like she's got one of yeah. them with a, the wire going up her back. It's there on the screen right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's on your screen, is it? Yes, yes. All right, let me try to get in there and see uh, yeah. live now. Just pulling it up. Oh, yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, she was being fed information, obviously, from her handlers. Not allowed, but she did. Okay. I, That's yeah. obviously a, a transmitter for a wire going up to her left ear. You can see it. But that, that wire is pretty thick. Eric, the tech that chimed in here and said, man, that's a pretty thick... Uh Toward, toward the top, it's pretty thick, yeah. Um, uh, but but yeah, uh, whatever, man. I I don't know, but it sure raises a lot of questions, doesn't it? I mean, it does. Uh, you know, I see what they're saying, whether it's a coughing prevention or you know an earpiece or a microphone. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know why it would be a microphone because she didn't say much uh, uh, <laughs> except when she was on the live mic. Uh, I would be more prone to thinking that it was uh, prompting from her handlers, which is really against the, the rules of the debate. They had to do it without having their handlers out there. Right. Um, and the other thing, too, I mean, they had uh, Trump's microphone too low, hers just yes. right, which yeah. made him bend over a bit. Um, and and uh, the before the thing, Hillary's attorneys got with the, the 
people organizing the debate and said, look, um, you know, don't ask uh, Hillary any questions uh, that are off script. You know, we, we want her to be able to answer them. So, you know, when the, the uh, uh, coordinator, I forget what you call it, the guy that was handling the debate asked the questions, he would ask more of the off script type questions to all of them, in fact, to Trump rather than to her because they didn't want her to be embarrassed, you know. Uh, and then again, this kind of lends credence to the fact that that is a, a feed to her from her team. Um, if it were some kind of an implant for Parkinson's to stimulate the brain, I, I doubt that. But still, if it were, uh, I suppose it could have remote surrogating to keep her stable that, that uh, a doctor backstage could have done it. I don't know, but who knows? I, I certainly hadn't noticed yeah. that picture, but it is quite interesting. Yeah, it, it is. And, and uh, just to acknowledge, I guess the Tweeter 61 is the uh, is where the, the image originated from. Uh, but yeah, it, it's you know, and I was thinking about it like a TENS unit, but my goodness, I'm not sure you and oh, I, I have worn saying, yeah. you know, yeah. you've worn those. Yeah. And, uh, I I don't know. I I don't buy that, but uh yeah, it's definitely <laughs> something there. I don't know. Uh, um, wow. uh back to um that we were talking before the break, I think about the the crisis curves and what's going to happen. That's right. Yep. Um, and you, you when all these off. things come so, so again. Yeah. No, I I was no, you just you you gave them all to us uh and, and all unsettling to say the least. And they're all coming to a head now, which is going to make people look for that leadership. Um, and certainly uh, the alien presence coming and saying, we're your elder brothers and come in peace and harmony. And uh, we can help you solve your planet if you want us to. But otherwise, we can just stand back and let you be destroyed by all these crisis curves. But we have solutions for you. And uh, at that point, I think it's when this... Um, uh, alien presence, the great deception of Satan is going to come to play. I don't think that the church will be here for that. I think they will leave behind warnings, as we're doing now, to people who don't be deceived by this uh, landing. It's like the movie V. They, they come in peace with all kind of gifts, and they hardly want anything from us but um, our loyalty, you know, and, uh, you know, people will flock to them. And just like in the movie V, you know, they, they started eating people. They were really reptilians underneath the, the human-looking skins in the movie. And it's a, a close parallel because in uh, in Daniel, there are several verses that are translated in the back of the, the last edition, the final edition of The Cosmic Conspiracy, where I showed that they the, the Antichrist uh, will be backed by, you know, an alien god, <laughs> and that's what it says. And this will be Satan, I'm sure, and his, and his minions helping the Antichrist. But they will look upon humans as fodder, as food, almost, right? And uh, I don't know whether that means it'll be like the giants in the ancient days who fed on humans, even in the Greek legends they did, you know, like Cyclops. Um, but, you know, double rows of teeth, tall beings, you know, 12, 15 feet tall, and get hungry and eat humans. Uh, is this because of the crossbreeding that this happens? But the similarities between the movie V and what we're seeing now are just so remarkable that, you know, people ought to race down to the video store and rent a copy of that movie or buy a copy and just see what I'm talking about. It's just, it's the Bible uh, and the great deception coming to play on, you know, a Hollywood screen. It's just
predictive programming, perhaps? You know, uh, well, the, the programming is telling you, look out for the bad guys. And, you know, I think it was Kenneth Johnson that wrote the series and the, the movie was made from it. I've tried a number of times to reach him just to say, you know, uh, love the, the concept and thank you for doing it. And But never been able to get close enough by email or anything else to, to tell him that. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a warning as far as I'm concerned. It's a warning that slipped under the, the, uh, the watchful eye of Hollywood and got made into a movie and a series. And it, it uh, brings out these points that when you understand what is written in Daniel, what the, how the Antichrist really views humans as uh, fragile clay vessels to be broken, trampled underfoot, and even consumed, um, and watch that movie, then you'll realize, hey, this was neat that he got that through the censors over there, you know. Um, huh. yeah. 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 Look, I don't we get a dollar for promoting his, his, his stuff, but I just think it's really <laughs> worth looking at. Okay, yeah. and, and un, as unsettling as that is, disturbing at many levels, but there it is. And, and it's a literal interpretation of the book of Daniel and of the Bible. I mean, I get, yeah, I understand that. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, yeah, and I, in the Hebrew, I dig into it, you know, you know, word by word, bit by bit, to to be translating. Uh, I think it was eight verses, uh, four in one place, four in another, uh, that were telling about this great deception and how we're going to be hoodwinked. Um, I'm sure there's more to it than, than I've found, but I, I haven't given up looking at it. Uh, right now I'm trying to get this book written on Atlantis and Eden and uh, the flood to you know show the people that aren't believers, look, this really happened and it didn't happen thousands, you know, millions of years ago. It happened uh, within the last uh, nine to 12,000 years and the earth is a lot younger and you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I have to prove that to these intellectuals that uh, have said, oh, the Bible is bunk. Uh, it's for their own good uh, to help them get through what's coming. You know what you're, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, you're a scientist, you're a physicist. I mean, there, there's nothing in the Bible that um, is inconsistent. Or, I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that's inconsistent with the science of today. It's just, am I right in saying that? I mean, or how do I, is that, did I say that right? Anyway. Say that again. Let me let me hear that. Yeah, there's. I think I, I think I said that wrongly uh, or wrong. There's nothing <laughs> in the Bible that is not consistent with science. Is what I probably should have said. Is that is that a correct statement? I think so. I mean, okay. obviously, I haven't uh, you know uh, fact checked everything, but uh, science should be adapted to investigating what the Bible says about the ancient world because the only thing, the really only thing that keeps them, the, the mainstream scientific people, from jumping on the bandwagon and say, okay, it's not just a book of fables, it's actually a historical document and it is correct. The only thing is the timing, um, you know, and the, and the diameter of the earth. If you shrink the earth back to, you know, uh, two-thirds of its size now, or I think, yeah, two-thirds of its size, 75% of its size now, um, and all the put all the continents back together into one landmass. Right now, mainstream science, oh, that happened 100 million years ago, and it's been a gradual inch-by-inch inch separation of the continents due to continental drift, tectonic plate drift. Well, that's rubbish. Once they accept that that's wrong, and it was a catastrophic thing that occurred probably only about four or 5,000 years ago to most, and that then allows various things to come into play. For instance, 
they say that uh, the dinosaurs were wiped out long before man was on the earth. Well, this is not true. In Glen Rose, Texas, I've been there and I've laid down in the, in the path of the, of the dinosaur footprints. They found petrified, you know, like uh, solidified, petrified into, you know, fossilized into a riverbed that went up into the side of a hill. And the, these dinosaur prints are unusual because they were trotting along and right beside them were human footprints going along with it or either tracking it, one of the two, but they were to the right of it, so it looked like they were walking with it and not getting stepped on. And they excavated <laughs> right on into that bank of, of dirt and found the trail just continued, and the human footprint is one, one guy or one woman or something just walking along with that dinosaur. Well, now, that didn't happen, you know, if the dinosaurs weren't coexisting with mankind. And down in Central America and South America, there are little toys and artifacts made by children in these various, you know, in Peru and Ecuador, by the children where they, uh, their adult parents, you know, carved them toys that showed like, a, you know, a triceratops or, you know, a brontosaurus and stuff. They could not have known what they looked like, uh, you know, without seeing them. And they, they carved really uh, obvious copies of these large uh, dinosaurs. So they saw them. They cohabited with them. Now they're coexisted. Well, that that gets your blood running, wouldn't it? You know, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Fred, look, look at the T Rex out there. Yeah, I'd be yeah. right too. And, and okay. here's another thing too, which I had to revise, uh, you know, a couple of years ago on my my gravitational model for the Earth. When the Earth was smaller, think about this: it had a mass of one, let's say one Earth mass. Okay, it did expand. But it didn't gain any extra mass. It opened up a cavity inside the Earth, maybe more than one, but at least one void shell underneath the mantle and between the mantle and the core. Same mass, one. But it's now spread over a much bigger volume of space. And it's like, um, take 10 pounds of lead. If you have it in a solid little chunk in your hand, that's heavy. It's dense. You feel it. If you put that 10 pounds of lead in a big box full of foam and lift up the box, you'll think, ah, nothing to this box, because you're fooled by feeling the density that should occur in that box. It's very light for that size, but it, you know, 10 pounds is nothing for something that size. It's like the Earth was. When the dinosaurs were here and, and the early men, mankind was here, the Earth was smaller. It was, the continents were together into one landmass, and gravity was bigger. Uh, NASA's people have been coming out and saying, in these worlds we're looking for, you know, to, to find another alternate Earth out there, we've uh, uh, theorized that they'll have stronger gravity in one site, and that would mean that the life forms, if they exist, they would have the heavier muscles to deal with the extra gravity. So what do we look at in the dinosaurs? They are heavier muscles. They're thick. They're big legs and stuff to deal with the heavier gravity of the earth and I've calculated what that gravity was um, men back in those days I mean if, if you look at some of the cavemen it's like they were stocky uh, and they had to do that to deal with the gravity to help them because the earth was smaller and the atmosphere is uh, a lot closer to the surface and more compact there was more oxygen in the air at the same time there was more CO2 with all the life forms and uh, other things that were producing CO2 in the volcanic situations and that made plant life just flourish. Big plants, big trees, and also we had the auction for the big dinosaurs and the big people. And I am positive that, you know, Atlantis was where 
the crossbreeding of the the angels, the fallen angels that came down to Mount Hermon, where that occurred, and they produced gigantic beings, you know, like Hercules and stuff like that, and uh, Og of Bashan and uh, Goliath. These were all a product of that. They were bigger to deal with the bigger gravity, and they survived somehow the flood. And, uh, you know, that's another argument, but they did reappear, and that's why God had uh, Joshua take Israel in there and wipe out as many of the giants and all their animals and anything that had DNA that was corrupt from existence to burn them, kill them, and destroy them. Um, so, when mainstream science corrects the timing and corrects the diameter of the Earth situation and hence the gravity, all these pieces will fall into place with the Bible, and they will be amazed, hopefully. Uh, you know, at some point in time, they will realize it's a, a portion of them anyway. And that's what I'm trying to do with that next book. Okay. And I'm, I'm just curious, how soon do you think you'll have that book out? Because, oh, man, at the rate I, I'm going, it'll that. be next year, January, February, before I finish it. I'm Just a lot of things are taking time away from writing, but hopefully that'll be uh, fixed in the next few weeks. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, I've outlined it. I've started putting stuff together, so it's, it's, it's on the, on the, uh, the work desk, but... You know, I was looking at something here the, uh, on the show image page. You can see it. I just wanted to go over it again. The size of our solar system, you know, image 10. Yep. If you get onto that, you'll see four pictures. Uh, the top left-hand picture shows the orbit of Jupiter and, you know, the asteroid belt and Mars, Earth, Mercury, and the Sun in the center. That's what they call the inner solar system. And the next picture to the right, the little line goes over there, shows you a little gray box reducing the size of the first picture down to inside this uh, map of the solar system out to the Kuiper belt just beyond Pluto. That's the outer solar system. Then the arrow goes down and, and shows you where the outer solar system fits relative to the orbit of the, the planet Sedna. And then that goes over to the last picture in the lower left, which shows the Oort cloud and where that red orbit of Sedna fits into that. If you travel at the speed of light across the Oort cloud, the outer extent of that, and the, what's called the heliopause, the, 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 the sun's outer envelope, which is way out you know, beyond the Oort, it will take you two years at the speed of light to traverse just our solar system. And we're only four light years away from the nearest, uh, you know, uh, from uh, uh, Proxima Centauri and some of the other uh, closer uh, stellar systems. I mean, it just puts it into perspective how tiny we are but yet how close we are to our neighbors at the speed of light. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to work that through my... Oh, I my see. You got it up here. on your screen. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm trying to to, to uh, grasp this. All right. Well, Sedna is really way out there. It's way out, you know, beyond the Kuiper belt. And it's a, it's a minor planet, but it's in the outer reaches of our solar system. And um, it's about... 86 times, well, its orbit, is its mean orbit, you know, if it were a circular orbit, would be 86 times the distance of the Earth from the Sun. That's how far out it is. But its wow. orbit is very eccentric, as you can see from the uh, picture number three. Um, where is that? Right. On the uh, lower right-hand side, that red uh, orbit is elliptical. And so they, they give it a mean orbit, which is the way they calculate this. But at any point in time, it's not going to be you know, just 85 uh, astronomical units of the Earth away from the Sun. You can see there at one point in time it's going to be a lot further than that, and another point in time it's going to be very close. And I'm wondering where it is at the moment. I haven't figured that out yet. It, it, in the drawing, it appears to be closer.
talk about now in its orbit like that. It's a little bit long in its orbit. Uh, I think the perfect orbit would be 75 times the distance of the Earth from the Sun, and that would be around 3,600 years. But then again, it may have moved out for some reason because the solar system is expanding and aging. So Sedna could be X, I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, That's the number, uh, that 3,600 uh, 3, years is that number that's often associated with uh, that planet X. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. But, but this would have a, a longer period, um, and I think it could be the same thing and could have just moved out further because as a stellar system ages, the orbits of the planets move out and some orbits collapse and the planets are destroyed right where they are. Uh, but Sedna appears to be intact and I, I suspect it could have been at 3,600 year uh, orbital period uh, right. sometime back, probably three or 4,000 years in, in this reduced time scale we have for the planet and the universe. And it uh, it is now rapidly aged. Its orbit is getting bigger and bigger as the system ages. And other star systems are doing that as well. They are aging and their orbits are moving out. If they have a satellite, they have planets and things. Um, and, you know, it, it all fits with the universe aging and getting to a point like in the end of Revelation where it says, and the heavens and the earth passed away in a fervent heat, but yet a new heavens and a new earth replace them. It's like saying our whole universe is in entropy so bad that it's going to be destroyed shortly. Nine thousand, or sorry, a thousand years from now, but still shortly in astronomical terms. Hmm. Well, all right. Something. And you'll see. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure out here with my Stellarium program. Some of you, uh, you know, more versed as astronomical uh, students out there with your telescopes and things might figure out if there's a way that we can take Stellarium and see what the object is behind the sun in, uh, I think it might be in May of this year that I saw going around it might be this year, uh, in September but look at those videos, you see a bright star looking, it's a planet uh, and I suspect it's just a, a normal, like, you know, Venus or, or, or you know, Mars, but um, uh, see if you can figure out what that is uh, that the SOHO imagery is tracking, uh, it's very obvious, you can't miss it and let me know about that um and, and if there's a way that we can find out where Sedna is in its orbit around the sun, that would be good, too. Is it close to the sun or far away? Could it be causing problems on the sun and bringing in with it, uh, you know, um, comets or things like that from the uh, Kuiper Belt? You know, even though it's out beyond the Kuiper Belt and it's being orbit, it does dive through the, the, the Kuiper region when it comes down close to the sun. So, anyway, that would be nice if... Um, you know, somebody could find out. At, at one point in time, it's a, nearly a hundred times the distance of the Earth, and then at another time, it's a lot closer uh, when it's when it's that elliptical orbit uh, scoots around the sun, and it moves very fast when it gets down to that area around the sun. That's the fastest it will move. It, uh, the gravity makes it go like gangbusters as it enters the inner planet, inner solar system, and swings around the sun, and then swings back out, and then starts to slow down, slow down, slow down. And that's why it takes so long for it to figure, you know, to complete its orbit uh, out back a uh, hundred AUs away. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, there's there's a call out for for people, so th- there there it is. All right, Stan. Well, in the closing minutes we got, uh, where to? Where to now? Well, let's see. What do we got? We got a few minutes left here. Let me just go over here to our um, website. Um, there were a few things that I saw on Holly's uh, news for the day that uh, were, were were good.
there's uh, one article in Crazyville. Uh, you know, she has that section put up there, which is uh, talking about a transgender man gives birth to his own baby, married to a transgender uh, woman. Uh, yeah. They swap sexes and married, and, and, and uh, the, the guy had the baby, the, the transgender by, which does qualify, in my opinion, for crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, it, and then Ali has the, in the pics of the day, the mem, uh, meme, what do you call it, uh, the new thing, it's just uh, the odd thing, and it shows a, a cartoon of um, Trump. Help is on the way. It says, if, if Trump is elected, he will reverse everything I've done, it says under Obama. And down underneath that is, a, is, is a Trump, and it's saying, that's the plan, dummy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she, she really finds some cool stuff to put in there, you know, uh, uh, to either humorous or just uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, and people send those in, and we, we vet them, and uh, or she does, and... Uh, Videos and images, so that's an interesting part of the uh, images page or the news page she puts up. She does um, a great job. Yeah, yeah, she's saying it's something to to lighten all the heavy stuff because if you look at just today's news today, the list is astronomically long. I mean, it's just uh, huge. Anything right. from the coronal hole I was talking about, uh, you know, to these silly things, but. Um, you, you know, ISIS wanting to use chemical weapons against uh, uh, opposing troops, which uh, could well be our people on the ground over there. Um, the Blue Cross, uh, Blue, Blue Cross, Blue Shield dropping Obamacare in three marketplaces after losing nearly five hundred million. That's reasonably interesting. I, I, I grabbed my Blue Cross uh, medical card and checked to be sure I wasn't in one of those areas. <laughs> but uh, you know. It, it, that's things that affect us here at home, and uh, there are things that affect the world over in uh, the Middle East and in Asia, where Pakistan and India are at it again. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been at it off and on, off and on for 100 years or so, but it's nowadays with nuclear weapons in Pakistan and I suppose India too. Um, yeah, it could be rather serious. Um, oh, and how nice is that, huh? Yeah, it, volcanoes around the world going off, things like that. There's just a lot of stuff in the the page. Um, I didn't see a sense in putting up on the show images page if she already had it here. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, all of these crisis curves, as you mentioned, I mean, they fall into one of those categories. Everything that we're yeah. seeing here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, whoever wrote the protocols of Zion, I don't think it was a Jewish, you know, masterminds and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but whoever wrote the Protocols of Zion laid out a plan that is definitely being fulfilled right now where the people of Earth are totally disenchanted with their leadership all over the planet. Yes. They're crying out for a world leader who can cut through all the religion, all the politics, you know, and help the Earth. And that's exactly what they said would happen, and that he would be appointed by, you know, the Spenmeisters, and that they would put three trusted aides close to him, one of them always with him, should he step out of line, he is to be killed uh, with a with a knife across the throat, and that's what the the protocols of, of Zion, the elders of Zion said. Again, it's a spurious document, but whoever wrote it wrote a plan that's being executed now. Exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter the, of the origins; it, it matters of the content which is orchestrated. Yeah, we're being played, we're being gamed, indeed. Well, Stan, God bless you, man. Thank you so much for your time tonight, and. 
Uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. We're, you're going to be in our prayers, and everyone's listening. Uh, they're going to be in our their prayers as well. And, uh, and tell Joe yeah. he's in our prayers yeah. too. And, so. Indeed, indeed, and God bless Holly. Thank you, Holly. I know you're listening. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> your time tonight and uh, everything you do. So, all right, bro. night, night, guys. Good night. All right, folks, that'll do it for us uh, tonight. My goodness, how time does fly! You know, we have uh, we, we have concluded another night. And this, let me just take this opportunity. Uh, look, I know everyone is uh, your time is valuable and. You tune in because you want to listen to the content, and thank you for doing that. I just want to extend my thanks to everyone who has supported our program, who is supporting our program. I have a feeling that we are going to be headed for some rough waters. We're in the, just in the, that outer edge of the rough waters. And it's going to take a lot of grit, a lot of determination to, to stay afloat in these waters. And I want to thank you for your support, your prayers. Um, your your financial support is we're we're doing a lot to continue on. Thank you for that. Your prayers, thank you for that. Your letters, your notes of encouragement, thank you for that. I read them all, and we we both read them all, and uh, we keep them. And God bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a, a, just a valuable part, a treasured part of our lives. Tomorrow night, Steve Quayle and Pastor David Langford. You're not going to want to miss that. Good night, everyone. 